Washington's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Well, good morning, Sandy. How are you? Good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you guys? We great. are great on a Thursday morning. What do you have for us? So that's a very good question, actually. <laughs> it is uh, September. I know, I know. All right. So um, three men have been charged with burglary of uh, several businesses. Police um, took them into custody and now they have officially been charged. Um, they appeared in court a few days ago. And I guess the lesson there for everyone is you're probably going to get caught. So, um, yeah, I think twice about uh, deciding to break the law. So a 48-year-old man, along with his accomplices, have been um, headed to court. One is 22 and the other one is 22. So they've all been formally charged with three counts of burglary. They went to court on uh, Monday. And yes, their court process now begins. So they were um, apprehended after a short foot pursuit. So they, you know, were trying to make a run for it. But it hey, didn't quite work out for them. Don't throw your life away. Yeah. Nope. It's not so, worth it. <laughs> the 45-year-old, um, there's also a 45-year-old Cuban national who was, uh, the police say, located a short distance from the scene of the burglary. And he was subsequently arrested in suspicion of burglary as well. It's hmm. just crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we'll see what happens in, in all of those cases. And are, are these from cases from uh, a while back? And they just no, now. Um, are these are, are men. Yeah. The burglary took place this month. So not, not that long okay. ago. So um, yeah. Guessing it's not their first time, but I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. August the 15th, 20th and 28th was hmm. when the burglaries took place. So they grabbed them all. Uh, the Cayman Islands now has a new chief medical officer. Okay. And who do we got? Yeah. Congratulations to Dr. Nick. I think his name is pronounced Gent, CBE. Incoming chief medical officer. Obviously, that means that he's from the UK. Um, in the press release, it says that he's a highly reputable physician who has over 30 years of public health experience, including his most recent post as a senior medical advisor and consultant in public health in the UK's um, security agency. Hmm. Nice. Okay. Yeah, well, well welcome, Doc. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he was also director of public health and several uh, district public health services um, throughout the UK as well. So as we know, this has, I guess, been a very long process. Um, he is uh, has received a commander of the Order of the British Empire mm -hmm. back in 2018. So, yeah, welcome. All righty. We'll see how that goes. Um, the civil service has extended their condolences to um, the family of Kashween McKenzie. They've actually paid tribute to him, as you will know. Um, he's the young man who lost his life in an unfortunate uh, motorbike incident over the weekend. Mm -hmm. So the Ministry of Home Affairs has um, published something and expressed their condolences on behalf of the Her Majesty's Cayman Islands Prison because he actually was a prison officer at the prison. So they said they were deeply saddened to learn of the loss of a bright young Caymanian who'd been making strides in uh, the honorable prison service. So on behalf of cabinet, the Ministry of Home Affairs, um, the honorable Sabrina Turner extended her condolences. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, very sad situation all around. Hey, what were you, so what were you saying um, yesterday on your show about, mm -hmm. um, was there, so actually there was a release 
uh, mm -hmm. from HSA about uh, just the, their level one trauma care. And I think because oh, we were discussing the hospitals. About like yes. So we're we're gonna we're gonna unpack this a little bit because I think um, maybe some people you know at the HSA think that the comments in relation to you know why not send someone to um, Health City if they're like literally five minutes away mm -hmm. was somehow directed at them not being competent. It has nothing to do with them at all. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of getting someone to the closest trauma center that is able and capable to of assisting them in the quickest amount of time. But it is and true so, though, I don't think, does Health City have a trauma? Uh, they trauma do. Therapy? And this, oh, this is exactly where um, there seems to be a lot of misinformation out in the public sphere. We're actually gonna unpack this mm -hmm. uh, in detail tomorrow morning because we wanna look at the concessions lawsuit. And then um, even last night I had people tell me, no, Health City doesn't have a license to do emergency services. I'm like, okay. And now I've seen it with my own two eyes. So there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I don't know why, because this is something that should be super easy. The um, Medical and Dental Council, who issues the licenses for all these facilities, they're the ones who should have made a statement in light of all the public confusion. But they seem to be one of those um, boards or councils that really never says anything. So um, we are going to request of them <clears throat> to give a formal statement. <clears throat> my apologies, um, and see if they actually do. But I, kn I know for a fact, and I'm comfortable, that they do have said license because I've actually now seen it with my own four eyes. Mm. So, but yeah, a lot of people are definitely confused about it. It's caused a lot of confusion. Um, and again, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with HSA. Nobody's is saying that HSA is not a great facility. They have over 30 um, between EMTs and um, <clears throat> EMTs. And, I think uh, you're just talking about the, uh, the ride from- uh, Exactly. It is from, simply from an hour- us ride yeah. could be, can make the difference it between could. life and death. And <clears throat> sorry, ultimately, um, that's a decision at the ministerial level that has to be made. That has nothing to do even with 911 or HSA. Once they put it in whatever law, regulations, or whatever, that allows 911 to divert the government ambulance service, because that's what it would be, to actually take patients in emergency and trauma situations to HSA, um, to Health City. My apologies. Interesting. And, that's all it would take. All right. We'll catch Sandy's show right now on Bobo 89.1 FM. We'll see you tomorrow for the Friday show. All right. All right. All right. Good morning, everyone. Peppermint, sorrel, ginger, fever grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold, hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. All right, folks. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. Hard to believe that it is now um, September the 1st. Wow. The month of August completely gone. Finished. Kaputs. That's it. No more. Um, but we move on and we're getting that much closer, obviously, to um, the Christmas and the festive season. Before you know it, your little ones are going to be asking you about Halloween candy. Those of you who celebrate Thanksgiving, which, by the way, is like my favorite holiday, really. I love Thanksgiving. 
Um, you know, I think it's because having lived in the States for so long, it's kind of like you feel like, okay, the holiday season really starts once you get to, once you get to Thanksgiving and you do like, you know, you get the day off from work, you do your turkey and your ham and your big family Thanksgiving dinner. People do a lot of traveling to get together around um, the U.S. for the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, yeah, you, you get that much closer to Christmas. Everybody sits down and watches a little bit of football or the Macy's Parade. I think they've done away with the Macy's Parade now, though. Gosh, I don't even know. But anyway, we've got Kevin here with us um, for the first bit of this hour. And then we've got the premiere coming up at nine o'clock. So um, go tell your friends right now. Premier Panton is going to be on the program. So get your questions. I've already got a couple questions that have come in for him. Uh, <clears throat> so we'll get those ready. And um, yes, good morning to Stephen. He's the first one out of the barn this morning. I should say good afternoon to him because he's actually in the UK. Miss Donna is here. Good morning, Donna. Is that a beach photo? Is that a photo of you hanging out on the beach? Miss Donna looks like it. Um, Ervalyn has got it locked. She's also still enjoying her holiday in the UK. And uh, Felicia is here as well. So Kevin, good morning. How are you? I had a mute. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, all of the CMR listeners out there. Yes. I'm doing well. Yeah, you're looking good. You're looking good. So we brought Kevin in the program today because those of you who've been listening for a minute know that we are doing a 50 by 50 program. That's just what I'm calling it. It's going to be like a CMR, um, you know, fitness and wellness boot camp or something. But for me specifically, it's 50 by 50. My goal is to get as close to 50 pounds um, in the next year. So essentially, I've got two weeks shy of a year um, to get it done. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's crunch time now, I feel like. But Kevin has been doing his own thing. He started ahead of everybody else. Um, so I do have the list and I'm putting the, um, the WhatsApp group together. If you want to be in the WhatsApp group, and that's just to receive notifications, kind of checking in with people. We're going to be sending out, you know, recipes and um, different menu ideas and how you can still enjoy life um, in the culinary aspects of your life. But, you know, cut, cutting back on the oils and the sugars and the, you know, all of the, the fat and the elements that are just not any good for you. Um, if you, you know, have things like um, diabetes, we're going to be putting more of that type of content on the website with a view to really trying to, to educate people. And we'll spend a little bit of time every Thursday in the program, even if it's just 15, 20 minutes, discussing our progress and how we're coming along. So the premier is on the program this morning. He has committed to doing this with us. And Minister Turner is also committed to doing this with us. Now we need to wrangle in some of the other um, MPs. Anybody is certainly welcome to join. And the idea is we will sort of organize ourselves based on geographical location. So for example, um, you know, the, the premier is physically uh, closer to me. So there might be times that we might be able to go out with a walking group and do our laps on the local track here at Savannah Primary around the neighborhood or you know, we're going to, we have to get into schedule and just be, um, that can, it's, it's the, the thing is consistency. And I'm sure Kevin's going to tell us that this morning as well, but yes, it's all about, um, consistency and just really getting started. So Kevin, you're looking good. You're feeling good. Tell us what have you been up to? Yeah. So I am doing the keto diet and I've also, um, paired it with intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing some research, what would work kind of good for me. 
as mm. well as uh, spoke with some of my friends who have also went through their own weight loss programs as well as people in the medical field that I know that would know what they're, they're you know what they're talking about and then I just kind of customized a plan for myself because everyone's going to be a little bit different um, because we're not all of our lifestyles are not the exact same I'm doing what works for me so I started off at 221 pounds um, exactly 220. 1.3 pounds because I do weigh myself every day. I know some people say don't weigh yourself every day, but I want to track everything to kind of really see how, how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And now, as of this morning, I weighed in at 198.2. I went down to 197 at one point, but the way it works based on how I've been tracking things, some days you go up maybe a pound, pound and a half, and then other mm -hmm. days you lose. So I'm not worried about that it. That could be a lot of weight. I mean, that could be as simple as, you know. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it could be that I drank more water and I didn't excrete yeah. it. I didn't sweat it out or pee it out. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of different things that could be that. And that's insignificant number, in my opinion, because, again, based on when I'm looking at all of my data, it, that's just exactly how it is. I always lose um, a, a good bit. And then afterwards, I gain a little bit back and then I lose more. And I just keep on going down and down and down and down. And um, my goal is to get somewhere between 180 to 190. That's my, mm -hmm. that's my personal goal. At first, it was 200, which I would have reached it. But then I was looking before I even um, hit that 200 mark, is that I was looking at um, some pictures of when I was 200. I said, nice, I got a little bit of pregnant belly. I got about four months of a baby inside there. <laughs> so I said, no, 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 I got to go a little bit more yeah, than that. Yes. <laughs> You know, that, that, that blessing from that good Caymanian food, because even though I'm up here, I still make my nice traditional stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, at least the stuff that I can get it on. I can't get my turtle up here, but hey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, so you've been doing, at, and you know, I don't think that all diets are, are the same for everyone. Um, so, you know, some people um, find that they can do the fasting one, uh, for myself, I've been told don't, you know, the physicians have said to me, no, don't do the fasting one because, you know, we're monitoring your sugar levels. Unfortunately, um, not eating consistently throughout the day will actually negatively impact your, um, your, your sugar and it'll cause it to dip and be all over the place. And you want to keep it as even keeled as possible. So for me, um, kind of falling into that pre-diabetes stage, it's just not a good idea for me to do any sort of, you know, extreme fasting or whatever. Yeah, I was pre-diabetic too, Sandy. I was mm -hmm. at the pre-diabetes um, um, marker level. Mm -hmm. And so I started off that way. But one of the, you said something very important. One of the things that I did do was I did get a complete physical and I got all my labs and blood work. Um, and, and I did look at those numbers. And then I recently had another one. I did the physical before I started. I did it probably about six plus months ago, a little over six months ago. Well, two weeks ago, I did another physical, which was my annual checkup, my annual every year physical, um, which is a lot more comprehensive. And again, we did all of those labs and then we were looking at the numbers. And again, my primary care doctor was like, yeah, no, everything looks good. Some of the flags that were on there aren't very, um, weren't, weren't anything concerning at all. And it had nothing to do with the diet um, that I'm on. Um, I do have to supplement a little bit. I do take some probiotics because part of being on the keto diet would be I'm not able to eat certain things that might be higher in carbs that might I might my body might still need some of the benefits from it so I do take a probiotic, a probiotic. I also take um CoQ10 um that mm -hmm. also helps the heart 
So, right. I mean, you speak to your doctor, you speak to nutritionist to find out exactly what you need um, because yeah. everyone's going to be a little different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the advice that I got when I did my, um, my complete workout the other day um, at Health City. So, um, and it really, I mean, at some level it makes sense because you're doing smaller meals. So it's not like you're sitting down having six large meals a day. Uh, that would not be good. You're definitely doing um, smaller meals and um, you're just being more consistent. So you never get to that point where you're actually feeling hungry. And for me, the biggest obstacle is I'm not much of a breakfast person. So mm -hmm. I find that it is very, very challenging um, for a number of reasons, uh, including the show, for me to eat breakfast. But even when I didn't have the show, to be honest, I'm one of those people who normally wouldn't eat breakfast. So I, I need to get into grabbing something to break that fast, as they say, um, first thing in the morning. That's why I like the overnight oats, because, you know, I found that they are, they're easy to grab um, and to just start eating right away. But of course, I've also realized that one of the reasons why I probably like it and it tastes so good is it's packed with a lot more sugar than we're willing to admit. So it's got like some sort of jam preserve that they put in the middle of it. It's got raisins, which are sweet. It has, um, they actually make it with apple juice, which is kind of interesting, but that's additional um, sweet again. And then, um, yeah, so it's got, it's it's sweet. And then of course, if I add food on it, I'm putting some additional natural fruit. So I have had them modify it for me, where I've removed a lot of those sugary elements as much as possible. But you've also been moving. You've been I getting been. some exercise in. So tell us a little bit about that part of the program, because we know that realistically it's 80% diet, but then the exercise, um, not so much even for losing weight, but for a lot of other health reasons, you've got to get that body moving. Yeah, absolutely. And right before I get into moving, let me just say my fasting period is a little bit longer than most. I only eat one time a day. I only eat sometime between 12 and mm -hmm. about three o'clock. I don't eat any other time of day. The only thing I will have outside of that window would be water, black coffee with no sugar or tea with no, um, no sugar which I said, this is not for everyone. Um, and so 12 hours is the minimum fast recommendation to lose some weight, but I wanted to lose it a little faster at a faster rate. So I'm up at a more for 20 to 24 hour fast, more or less, where I take my meal somewhere around 12 or one is kind of where I average my meal. And then I don't eat again until the next day. Um, and I do get to eat a very big portion. Um, I'm a meatarian. I absolutely love my meat. I can never be a vegetarian. And so I get to eat, you know, because that's zero carbs. So I get to eat a lot of meat and a lot of veggies. Have to be careful of my food because food has sugar. Sugar turns into carbs. And that's against yeah. what the whole method is. So even though it's a natural form of sugar, it still turns into carbs and, and it won't allow me to shed the fat as fast. But again, what you said about moving, I have an Apple Watch. This thing is very, very helpful. It reminds me when I need to move and it kind of mm -hmm. keeps me on track when I need to um, you know, try to increase my calories so I could close my rings is what it called. Uh, you have different goals and then you close your rings at the end of the day. And I always strive to close my rings. And is it a specific of, app that you're using? On the no, it's, it's just the health app, um, the fitness okay. app, sorry, the fitness app. So if you go right. into the fitness app that is preloaded on, on it, yeah. um, you just open that up and then you can set different targets. If that target's too low for you, you set it higher. Don't go mm -hmm. any, or set it higher if you want to be, if you want it to go, if you want to work a little harder, don't right. set it anything under that though, because that's not really going to be helpful to you or beneficial to you. But I do walk, there's a beautiful lake that I live next to. It's called Lake Hollingsworth. It's one of the most, one of the lakes that people go and take a lot of photos. And when you walk mm -hmm. around that lake, 
It is a pro it's just under three miles. It takes me about 45 minutes to do that walk because I do walk at a good pace. Mm. And so <clears throat> when I walk, I walk that lake every night. Um, sometimes it's, it's usually after I record the news for the news buzz. Right after that, I head on out and I go walk the lake. Unfortunately, I do live in Florida where we have these thunder showers. It usually be in the afternoon sometimes, but a lot of times recently it's been at night. So sometimes I don't get to walk it until a little later because mm -hmm. I do not want to go out in a metrical storm. That wouldn't be the smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I, I and I'm just too because I go to bed so late, I don't get to bed until like one, two o'clock in the morning on many times, which I need to do better at because sleeping, getting a good a, amount of rest is also very important to weight loss. I am not, mm -hmm. I don't have that down pack yet because I go to bed too late. But you know, I that means I don't get up early enough necessarily to walk first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, which is what I used to do um a while back is I used to get up around 4 30 and, and go for my walks. Um, but I just I'm not getting up until probably about 5 30, 6 o'clock these days. So it's a little mm -hmm. too late because I need to start my day and, and right. get my day going. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um I've been thinking a lot about because anytime I go to the US and obviously, you know, just started retraveling again because of COVID and the whole nine yards. But I made this observation, <clears throat> sorry, let me get my tea this morning, that um, I like that even when you eat out in the restaurants, you get to see all the calories mm -hmm. on all of the dishes. And I know that they made this change a number of years ago. I think it's mandatory, right, for all, all restaurants? I believe it is mandatory. Um, a lot of restaurants do have it. But again, that's, if that's, that's helpful for people who are on calorie reduction or calorie-based diets. I'm not on that. I'm on a I'm on a keto diet, which is pretty much low carbs. My the maximum amount of carbs that I'm supposed to eat in a day with the diet that I am on is 20 <clears throat> carbs, which is not a lot because. Yeah. But you're also you're also automatically reducing calories by the fasting because you, you be are honest, you are reducing one calories. meal a day. I mean, you'd have to be eating a lot at that one meal to probably yeah. get what would be your normal caloric intake for the day. So mm -hmm. that's that's where fasting um, works is because you're drastically um, reducing your your caloric intake. And I mean, you do have to be careful. Professionals will tell you, depending on what you're doing in terms of exercising and so forth, especially for women, your body does require a minimum number of calories yes. um, for the day. And of course, one of the things that I've noticed that people who do the fasting diet with the extreme caloric reduction is they'll lose the weight quickly, but then it becomes a matter of sustaining it because you yes, can't. Yes. For the rest I, of I know so many people that even did the keto diet, they shed a whole lot of pounds and, and the moment they came off, they shot up and went up yeah. larger than they were originally. So yeah. my plan, because obviously I'm not there yet, but once I come off, um, I have zero cheat days. You know how people say, oh, you're supposed to have cheat I am dedicated to this to the T. I am not mm -hmm. eating outside that window. Yes, I've been to a couple of events where there was food and I wish I could have eaten something because it looked so good. But I have said absolutely zero cheat days, which is mm. you have to be kind of strong willed. And per, I purposely do not go certain places or hang out with certain people mm -hmm. just because I know the temptation would be greater. And it's just a sacrifice that I have to make. I've been doing this for only about a month and a half now. The last time mm -hmm. I was in Cayman was when I pretty much started. I, I As soon as I came back, the next day is when I started this. And that was about a month and a half ago. And I've shared approximately 25 pounds. So, you know. It, to me, it's worth it. It's only going to be a couple months process. I would say by the end mm -hmm. of um, this month, now that we're in the month of September, I probably will be hitting my, my target. And so two to three months of a sacrifice to one, get healthier, to two, just 
be able to reach a goal and feel great that I, I reached a goal, I think it's worth it. It's, it's not a very long time when you look back at it. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm, I'm in the slow and easy mode. That's why I'm giving myself a year <laughs> to do it. So um, I'm not going to do anything extreme because I think just for my um, my personality, I prefer I'm kind of like in the middle with a lot of things. So I just prefer to, um, you know, cut back on a little bit of this and a little bit of that and still enjoy because I'm a big foodie, but still enjoy a little bit of what I like. Um, you know, I've seen people who just cut half of what they eat. So again, portion control automatically restricts your calories and the amount of fats and sugars and everything that you're taking in essentially. And they <clears throat> cut back by even 50%. And that mm -hmm. 50% reduction is 50% reduction. And so, you know, that really helps them um, significantly to try to, to get the weight off. So I think there's different things that can work for different people. Um, it's awesome that you've lost, I mean, 25 pounds in a month and a half is actually a lot. That's really, really fast, Kevin. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to definitely monitor you throughout your progress. And yeah, we will, we will keep you, we'll keep you accountable. But yeah. I, I like the, um, like I said, when I go into a restaurant, like I go, for example, everybody loves Cheesecake Factory, Caymanians when they travel. I don't actually go there for the cheesecakes. I go for the rest of the menu because the rest of the menu is like, oh my God, so awesome. And you look at one appetizer and it's like 1900 uh, calories. And it's like, what? For an appetizer? Um, drink. I think about yeah. 2000 calories is kind of what they put on They're the average. label as the average. So no, that, that one meal took you out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one meal and uh, you are literally done. You know, I've seen even some of the drinks can be five, 600 calories. That's like food. And of course, if you're going to drink that many calories, um, you might as well have something of substance that's going to benefit the body, like, you know, some sort of fiber or something else. When I get um, hungry or, or anything, I drink approximately a gallon a day. I do sometimes drink over this. And this oh has got little God. times on it that kind of will get, keep you on track. And I do I do finish this pretty much every single day. If I turn it around, it tells you how much uh, milliliters um, or, or stuff it is oh, inside there. That is, that's a gallon of water? This is one gallon of water. And I do, I do finish this every single day. But the thing is, if I wow. don't have this near me, I'm not going to drink it. So I have mm -hmm. to really lock this thing around. Luckily, the, the thing that works for me, like I said, everybody has their own lifestyle and it does not work mm -hmm. for everyone. It just Maybe will not work for those, Kevin. I might have to get you to bring me one. Oh, absolutely. It's only like, what, $15, $20 on Amazon. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, um, because I get to work from home most days, it's not a big deal. I have it sitting right here next to me. And uh, I sometimes I just drink. If I feel a little hungry, I drink some water. And that kind of fills in that little bit of, instead of me <clears throat> snacking on something I shouldn't be snacking on, this is going to help me out. Mm -hmm. And I, originally, when you first do it, yes, you're going to probably go pee a whole lot. You're going to use the bathroom mm -hmm. a little bit more, but your body does adjust after about a week or two. It, it really does. It's just getting over that period where your body's yeah. not used to so much liquid being inside. You're talking about it. I'm and your, and your skin looks good, Kevin. So I'm sure the water is helping your skin. Mm -hmm. So he's going to have some water. Speaking of water, I got water over there too, but not drinking any, as you can see. Um, Steven says, seem, I don't like eating in the morning. If I eat too early, I actually feel nauseous. Um, and I think we have picked up probably, you know, these bad habits along the way. Cause I remember, um, when I was, you know, a teenager and in high school and that sort of thing, every morning I had breakfast, you couldn't walk out the door. Aunt Lottie was like, mm -mm, sit down, you got to have breakfast. And she was giving you whatever it was, grits and whatever she had on tap. And so I didn't have a choice before I got on the school bus or went out to wait for the school bus. I was having breakfast. 
And then, of course, you know, you get into university life and things get busy. And I remember trying to run to classes and get there in time. And most mornings it's like, oh, man, class starts at nine o'clock. You're rolling out of bed at 815, you know, trying to rush to um, to get to your class. And you just neglected to eat breakfast. And um, I think it's unfortunately a bad habit that I picked up as an adult uh, that I need to really, you know, try to consciously work on. So Damaris says, good morning from Queens, New York. Thank you, Damaris. Ms. Judy is here. Um, she says, I thought I was the only one. It's not good, but I find it extremely difficult to eat my change, my eating pattern, to, sorry, to change my eating pattern. Um, it is difficult, Judy. And this is one of the reasons why um, maintaining and keeping a journal and writing these things down is one of the ways in which you can benefit yourself. Because writing anything down, any goal that you have, they tell you that once you write it down and your, your brain does something different when you're actually going through the process of writing something down that you actually want to accomplish. And so it forces you to um, really focus on the goal itself and how you're going to get there. And if you're keeping and maintaining a proper journal, you will actually be able to... Um, to, to monitor your progress, if you will. And that's one way of keeping yourself accountable is when you know that, oh man, I got to write this in my journal. Like, listen, your brain, when you want to pick up and grab something's like, uh-uh, we're going to have to write that down. It's going to be concrete. You know, we're, we're going to, everybody's going to know. And this is part of why um, we're trying to do sort of this group method of um, how, holding each other a little bit accountable. So we do have some of the Life and Apple wellness planners um, that are coming. I've ordered a few more. And so, Judy, you have mentioned that this is an area that you're struggling with. So we are going to give you um, a planner out of the stash that we have here. We have more coming. Uh, I don't know how many I'll be able to do in the end, but we do have more that are definitely coming. So, Judy, um, link me on the WhatsApp number, 936-2626. We'll get you a planner, and we've just got to start recording it and writing it down. Whatever works for you. There are apps that you can use on your phone. So if you're more inclined to use technology, to keep track of your life. Uh, like Kevin said, um, his Apple Watch, I've got an Apple Watch, so I'm gonna look at some of the features. I haven't really explored a whole lot of it because for the longest time I was a Fitbit person. So I always had a Fitbit and um, I was using my Fitbit. And the Fitbit again was great as well because it would you, you know, vibrate and say, get up and start moving. And that's when you realize, oh man, I've been sitting down for that long, like really? Yeah. And so yeah, it's a constant reminder to get moving, to get up, to walk, to get some, some steps in. And um, yeah, I think we all have to make small improvements wherever you can. And listen, and it can be as simple as Sandy taking out, instead of having two slices of bread, have one slice of bread. You're still getting yeah. bread fixed. Cut back exactly. a little bit on that rice. Yeah. Take, take half like, that rice off the plate and yeah. increase those veggies to, to try to supplement where you might want to chew a little bit more. Some of those, mm -hmm. just those little subtle changes do make mm -hmm. a big difference. Absolutely. I will tell you, I have felt so much more energetic as well. I, I've always heard people say, oh, I, lost weight. I felt more energetic, this, that, and the other. But uh -huh. I will tell you for sure that it uh -oh. is morning. So true. Morning, caller. Good morning. Morning. I, I saw a dog on the internet. But... Sorry, you My said... Dog. With... My dog. Which, which one of the dogs? Because we're always posting dogs. So tell me which one. <laughs> was it the brown one that was posted last night? Uh-oh. Hello? Seems like his signal went out. I know. Hi, caller. Uh-oh. 
Um, so when you, yep, when you call, you got to let us know which dog, because uh, believe me, you, we post a lot of dogs and cats and all sorts of stuff that go missing. As a matter of fact, I'm posting one right now that um, is missing in the Spots Newlands area, a black and white dog, a little one. So um, morning caller. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I was in the Wi-Fi. I drove up, but I forgot um, about my Wi-Fi sometimes to connect on my data. So it go, you know, I mean, it, the, the connection um just lost. Okay. Well, it connect back to my data. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, but the dog, the little dog, I, I saw him on Facebook. I was so frightened. Um, but which which I dog? Like, I'm just trying to identify which one is yours because I was just saying that we have I'm a lot of dogs. Looking, I'm, I'm gonna send you a picture. Um, it's the brown one that was posted last night. Yeah. Okay. He never came out of the yard before, but I wonder why we're like. Uh -huh. It just the other day I started walking, you know, like he didn't put me. I don't like he the yard, but I start walking him, you know. Uh -huh. But I don't really time like on that time he makes so much noise. So there's another dog he play with, but he see, he looks, he he looks like a puppy. Like he still looks pretty young. He's a he's a puppy. Yeah. He but looks... he's, he's he's mixed. But I I start walking, you know what I mean? Like make and so now he wants to go walking on his own. <laughs> and yes, yesterday I walk him like. Like six thirty, mm -hmm. and I bring him home. But I don't really time up, time up. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. like he walk out, walk out last night. Okay. But but and but what, what part of um, what that. part of the island um are you? Do you live? Just a general area. Correct. Yeah, that's Correct. yeah, that's him then. Just want to make sure because some dogs look uh, alike. Um. Okay. Here's what I'm gonna yeah. do for you, caller. Is I'm going to actually send you the telephone number. I'm just seeing if I can um text you here. Of the um, just send me a WhatsApp message on this number, and I'll send you the phone number for the person who has your dog. No problem. Super easy. Thanks. Another dog reunited. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, were, somebody were calling me like a million times, but like I, I did my phone was now and they tell me like I miss this dog, but like I said I was watching you live, and then you were talking on a number, and the first I ever catch a number that catch a number like you know what I mean when I, I was so shocked, man. Yeah. Okay. I catch your number so <laughs> well, I gotta say it more often. Nine three six twenty six twenty six. That's nine three six Bobo. <laughs> Super easy. But yes, we we know exactly who has your dog, so we can get that sorted out for you. So that's me. And I sent you a video of me. I look at I even said. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no, no, yeah, no oh, problem. Thanks. No problem at all. Wow. So I'm gonna type this time, man. I, well, I just, you know I, what? Like, you know what I was just thinking, caller. Um, he's obviously still a puppy, and puppies are curious. Um, I would encourage you to keep walking him because, listen, dogs are very, very social creatures. They don't want to be looking at the same thing in the yard all the time. Don't tie him up. Walk him places. Let him see the world. But you know, he's I, a he's a puppy. I, I don't know how old I, he I, is, but get him fixed. I, I think he's about five months because when I get mm. him, he's like one month. Uh, yeah, almost four months. No boy, whatever. Get him fixed because he's going to start I, rooming for that reason. Everybody say, oh, you're Jamaican. Oh, you got the dog and rear. I said, I don't know. I just like him. And I just, I just make up my mind. And I said, okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. What does like, being a Jamaican have to every, do with loving dogs? Walk your dog and be proud of it. But get him say, fixed, caller. Listen to me. The Humane Society has a free program where they will, you know, fix your dog at no cost to you. Spade and neutering your dogs yeah. is very, very important because, yes, because one of the reasons they start to room is they get this instinct to start going out there looking for males and females. 
So you get them spayed or neutered depending on the sex and that will reduce their desire to just start roaming the streets because next thing you know, he's going to be bringing home some puppies and a girlfriend to you. And that might be too much. So, um, yeah, I mean, and you can do it as early. I've, I've had male dogs. I've had female dogs. And with male dogs, it's really, really easy to know um, when they're ready to be fixed. Because as soon as their little gonads drop, they're good to go. You can get them fixed uh-huh. as early as that. And don't make anybody I make you feel away. Because... Listen, people have these preconceived notions in their head about people, nationalities, whatever. Don't let anybody get in your head. Yeah. About, or you're Jamaican. How do you love a dog? It doesn't matter. If you've made a connection with this dog and you love this dog, it is what it is. Just like um, a lot of Caribbean people, they're like, oh, I don't want to fix my dog because, you know, we as Caribbean people don't do that. It has nothing to do with Caribbean people. You just need to do the right thing for the dog. And this is the best thing for the dog's health and wellness. I've been bringing him to the vet and he get injection. I said, whoa, you got money. Why is that not raising money? Like, you know what I mean? yeah, it's the first time raising a dog. That's just like him and I just good you for know, you. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. they need to get their shots because they can get, you know, give him his heartworm tablets because especially if he's outside, mosquitoes is what bites them and gives them um, heartworm. So keep the dog yeah. healthy. You know, do your part as a responsible pet owner. I've been three times for the week. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. no, nothing wrong with it. Don't make people put you in a box about how you should treat your your pets or your animals just because you're, you know, a Caymanian, a Jamaican, a this or that. Um, yeah. Treat them with respect and care and love. And, uh, you know, they say that a dog's a man's best friend for a reason, because trust me, they they will save your life if, if it comes down to it. They'll put their own life on the line. But I want to know I'm going to keep him inside now if I'm not going out. Yeah, you might you might have to. I mean, if he's I don't know how big he'll get, but um, you know, if you have he's gonna, he's gonna get big. He's, he's, he's mixed with Rottweiler. Yeah, he, and he's like he's he's big. Like I don't, he's gonna get big, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like Miss Darlene says, kudos to you for loving that puppy. Aw, so yeah. sweet. Yeah, keep him inside. Get it. Listen, get him fixed. Um, you wouldn't want to be outside in the heat when it feels like 107 degrees. <laughs> And neither does a dog with fur. So if you can keep him inside a little yeah. cool fan and some fresh water and, you know, access to food, those are the yeah. things that you can do. doesn't take anything off your back to treat a dog with respect and love. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love it, man. All right. I so, yes. Not, yeah. I, oh, that, that really right. touches my heart to hear a man say that he loves a dog. That is just so, so special. Yeah, so, Good. Thank you for loving your dog. Thank you, ma'am. All right. So WhatsApp me and I'll send you the number and you can get reunited. What's his name? Bruno. Bruno. Okay. You can get reunited with Bruno. Yeah. Awesome. All right, my dear. All right. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. That's Man, the power of CMR, Sandy. I'm telling you how many we lost count and how I've many people were reunited with items and oh my and god, animals and everything Credit else. Cards, debit cards, wallet, hard gold cash, couple birds. Um, yes, we do have another dog right now that has gone missing last night. Let me actually just show him real quick. Um, I think.
it's a cute little one that's out missing sorry for the radio users that are listeners that is that can't see it on the screen but um but uh yeah it's a cute little dog on our facebook page the cmr facebook page we do post a lot of the missing animals and other ones that we do find so um anytime if if you have um the ability to to look on our facebook page just scroll through it and you'll definitely oh, see. I think, I think I muted myself online. Sorry. Yeah, you did. So I started uh, to commentate for you. Yeah, my apologies. Going. Bit of good news. The owner said he just found him. So that one is... Okay. We can... So both of them are found. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Oh, yeah. These dogs love to go walking about the place. All right. So that one is is definitely um, good to go. So yeah, folks, um, you know, sometimes dogs... You know, sometimes Coco would like you open the door and she walks out and she's, you know, when I first got her, um, one of the things she used to do, Kevin, and I had to rein her in really, really quickly is she would literally dart out the door. And uh, we were living in Rackley at the time. And I said to myself, "Ooh, I could see this being very, very tragic Or one day she darts out the door and she ends up getting hit by a car, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get a bit of a training mechanism in place for her. And I got one of those um, shock collars. Now, I know that sounds drastic, and uh, but I got to tell you the joke about, about what I did, right? So I was, you know, if you're a dog lover, you totally understand. So I was like, I don't know. I mean, you know, you see it working, whatever, but you're still a bit apprehensive about using it on your dog. I'm like, oh, she's so small and cute and whatever. And so I went over to my neighbor, Mr. Scotty, who was across the street, and I said to him, I said, um... I said, Mr. Scotty, you know, he now lives in the back. I said, Mr. Scotty, do you mind if I try this shock collar on you? <laughs> because I'm like, it's for my dog and I need to put it on her. But, you know, I don't know if it's going to hurt and whatever. And he's like, oh, okay. He was, he was always up for something. He was the person helping me get the spider out of the house that I accidentally, then he hit it with the, with the, um, the broom and turns out it was pregnant. So then I had a million spiders running all over the place. But he was, I was always calling him for help. When I had my older dogs um, before Coco that had passed away, after Ivan, we had one dog, Oscar. He was so scared, like he was traumatized because of Ivan. He would push open the window, like literally, put, I've never seen a dog do this, but he found the strength, lifted the window, and he would jump out, push the screen out and jump out and roam the streets for the day and then come back, jump back through the window. We had two dogs. And the funny thing is, Oscar was the smaller of the two dogs. And the other dog, Rupert, who was a lab mix and like 65 pounds, Oscar was about 35 pounds. Rupert wouldn't go anywhere. He would, he was the best, he was so well-behaved. Oscar was like the rebel, but Rupert would just stay there and wait for Oscar to come back. So Scotty would always call me and he'd be like, um, Sandra, that dog on, got out the window again. <laughs> and so after a while, I was just like, oh, just let him go because you know, if it, if, the, if it was windy out, he just started to get a little bit um, apprehensive, right? So yeah, Mr. Scotty helped me test the dog collar um, for Coco. And then he was like, oh, no, no, that doesn't hurt. That's not that bad. So I said, oh, okay. So the first, I put it on, on Coco. Of course, she doesn't know what it is. And something happened, doorbell, whatever. And I opened the door and there she goes darting at the front door. And I pressed that button. I had it in the lowest possible setting. I got to tell you. Kevin, she must have jumped about six feet. <laughs> <laughs> but it was more of, it was a surprise than the actual shock mm -hmm. because she just was, she's like, what the heck was this? And so um, after that, mm -mm -mm, all I had to do was, do it again. yeah, all I had to do was press the warning button. She heard the beep and then she's like, mm -mm. whatever it was, she, was doing, she stopped. 
So anyway, um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the program. And, uh, you know, thanks to that caller and everybody who does the right thing, because people will find dogs and uh, they will contact us. They'll send us pictures. Uh, Cat was found a couple of days ago um, that we believe belongs to someone, you know, doing the right thing. Even, you know, somebody has a cow out in the pasture and um, people are saying, can you just post this so that the cow is getting fresh water and a little bit of shade and, you know, just check in your animals if you've got horses out there. Um, I know that eventually everybody's like, oh, but we're going to eat that cow anyway. I'm like, okay. But that doesn't mean that in the interim, you can't treat uh, the cow with good care and respect and, you know, just make sure that they're okay. Yeah. Especially yeah. Hokey Mansan is very, very hot as oh well, God, too. And yes. Make sure they have enough shade and, and proper, like, even if it's a bowl of water that and they're an outside pet. I mean, that water is going to heat up. If the outside's mm -hmm. hot, you expect that water to heat up. And do you like yourself drinking hot water? No. So you got to also exactly. be very, very courteous to these animals yeah. as well. Um, they, they, they do um, deserve that. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're, I mean, I've seen a couple like horses and stuff in New York, like passing out from the heat. I mean, it is hot out there for your animals. So think a little bit about their um, condition and bring them inside the hottest months. I mean, I, I think all dogs should have the opportunity um, to be inside, even if it's just like a garage or a covered area where they can, you know, lie down on a cool mat or whatever. So, um, yeah, congratulations to that, uh, that young man there for being a pet owner who's not afraid to say, I love my dog. Isn't that fantastic? Absolutely. All right, Kevin, we're going to check in with you next week, Thursday, to see how you're going um, with the uh, fitness and wellness plan. Mm -hmm. Not a problem. Everyone have a beautiful day. Take care. All right. Wonderful. So, folks, we do have um, Premier Panton, who is going to be joining us up next. You Little Brat says, good morning. So sorry I missed yesterday's show. I never miss a show and missed a show that totally relates to my life and work. Oh, but watched it last night. So informative. We need more of these shows to rid the islands of stigma towards the indifference. Uh, remember, the shoe should always be on the other foot. Drugs like prison has no prejudice. Well, you little brat, uh, thank you very much for that. I think a lot of people enjoyed yesterday's program. And if you missed it, uh, please know that you can always go back on YouTube and Facebook and get all caught up on any of the shows that you miss. And we do post them on the website as well. So I think I, I have maybe two shows I need to post on the website. So we'll put it there so that you can easily find it. Just go to the homepage, find the cold hard truth, and you'll see all the daily shows listed there also. So yeah, it was a fantastic show. Again, thank you to Dr. Johnson. Please give him a like and follow on his Instagram page. And I do want to go and watch his TED, um, his TED Talk because it was definitely awesome. All right. Marshall says, I have a barking collar for my dog. It beeps three times. And then it goes off and it and it'll shock him. It keeps him under control. So yeah, mine had the option of um, like I could set it to just give Coco a little warning and stuff as well. Um, thank you, Anita. She says, "Good morning, Sandy. I love to watch uh, the Cayman Islands. God bless you always. Thank you. All right, let's bring the premier on, the Honorable Wayne Panton, the premier of the Cayman Islands. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Sandra. How are you? Uh, you are doing well. You seem to be." Yeah. And um, I want to say a special good morning to all of the wonderful people of our incredible Cayman Islands. Well, um, so good to are, see you. Some are overseas and some are, are here um, on shore listening and, and watching. Mm -hmm. So good morning to everybody. I hope you're Absolutely. having a great start to the day. 
Yes. And this is, you know, the premiere comes on every other Wednesday and premiere access in the evenings, but this is his first time since we've been on Bobo coming on in the morning. So That's warm right. welcome. So, yeah. yeah. So um, our Bobo listeners um, are getting an extra treat today. So um, of course, folks, you're free to call in. The telephone number is 936-BOBO. That's 936-2626. Uh, whatever questions you have for the premiere, he's here to answer your questions and comments. And of course, if you're on the live, we're happy to um, see, uh, to read those as well. So Lavana, yes, I see you this morning, indeed. Um, for some reason, I wasn't able to see her comments yesterday, but you are live and direct today, honey chill. Very, very good. Sanya is in the house. She said, good morning, my premiere. Good morning, Sanya. Good morning. All right. So we got questions coming straight out of the barn for you this morning. First question we got a couple days ago on a previous show. Someone was inquiring, you know, the situation with um, Russia and Ukraine. Obviously, the Cayman Islands has an order that has been handed down to freeze assets. And the question was, what happens to those frozen assets? Well, um, <clears throat> that is a bit of a question because mm -hmm. for the moment, um, the assets are just being frozen. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know, at some point there has to be a decision about how those assets get treated. Mm -hmm. um, but at, the, at this point, um, this is this is being, you know, these assets are being frozen and prevented from from being distributed to anyone and specifically to their, um, you know, to their, their listed owners, um, who are all the subjects of the UK sanctions against, um, Russia. Mm -hmm. So that is, that's what the position is with that. We don't have, um, we don't have any specific instructions at this point, um, that I'm aware of. Um, we have a team within government that is, um, you know, various, of the the entities and organizations and regulators that are involved with uh, financial services um and they they have regular meetings um mm -hmm. to ensure that we're you know we are doing what we're required to do in terms of of implementing the the um the sanctions but where we go from here remains to be seen and i think if effectively you know that it'll be the the subject of probably international discussions um, mm -hmm. down the road um, as to as to what happens with with those frozen assets. Um, I think it a large, you know, as you might imagine, to a large extent, I believe it probably depends on what, you know, what approach Russia takes in resolving this conflict because they initiated it. Um, <clears throat> so we'll have mm -hmm. to see um, for for the moment we're required to to freeze them and hold them and not mm. allow any dealings um, and we report right. we report regularly um, i think we're in the region now of about eight billion just over eight billion um dollars in assets that have been frozen and and there are a few vessels and aircraft that have been removed from the register here um not not a tremendous amount, I don't think, but you know, the, the list of, of sanctioned people are, um, I haven't looked at the recent number, but it's somewhere north of 800. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, you know, Cayman is a, is a, a very significant, um, international financial center. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, 
you know, global investment transactions are done here. So right. there'll be no surprise that, that some, some of these persons, some of these 800 plus persons are, mm -hmm. you know, um, owning assets and owning um, part of investments through Cayman Islands vehicles. It's not that they own it themselves, you know, mm -hmm. they're just participating in the investment. So, so we're, we're, we're on a wait and see in relation to that. Right. Yes. I'm sure a lot of them have those mega yachts that are actually registered um, in the Cayman Islands as well. Now, if it's registered here, but we don't physically have the yacht, because of course it's probably in Greece or somewhere else in the world, we can't actually confiscate that because that would be physical confiscation. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, other states could possibly do it, but at this point we are not, we have not been asked to confiscate um, hard assets like vessels okay. and aircraft. Um, effectively, we are, we are doing what we can um, to address a scenario where they're, we know that, <clears throat> pardon me, we know that they're owned by um, persons who are subject to the sanctions. And really, at this point, all we can do is um, take them off the register. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we actually don't have the power right now to organize, um, you know, the, the seizing of these assets and holding them. I mean, to be honest, for me, that's a bit of a relief because um, when you when you seize an asset, you you have a corresponding obligation to make sure that, um, you know, it's 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 protected in some way. And it's, mm. you know, these things are these things are really expensive to maintain. Um, mm -hmm. and they're, some of them are worth um, tens of millions, some hundreds of millions. So mm -hmm. you just can't, you can't just park them and leave them. You right. know, we, don't, we don't want the obligation um, to, you know, be responsible for their, their safekeeping while this issue about what happens with assets um, that are, that are the subject of sanctions gets resolved internationally. Absolutely. All right. So hopefully that will answer that question. And that's kind of what I was saying as well. I was like, I don't think we could just be like, oh, we're going to re-divert the, uh, these assets, you know, all this money sitting in somebody's bank account to help out NAU. And, you know, it's not that sort of thing. Uh, but I feel like it's really, really important for people to understand these processes and how things work yeah. because um, they just think, oh, wow, we now have money that belongs to somebody else and we can do whatever we want with it. And that isn't quite um, how the process right. and that's There is a distinction, obviously, between seizing an asset for the purpose of, of controlling it and not allowing it to be dealt with right. and forfeiture. So yeah. when, we, when we're talking about forfeiture, that mm -hmm. means effectively forfeiting the asset to the state, to the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that case, you know, if, if that was the position, then we'd be would be it'd be a whole different story you know mm. we'd be in a great position but right that is not um that's not what's happening here the assets are just being frozen for for right now yeah okay good so 936 folks 2626 is the telephone number if you have any questions um or comments for the premiere we do have some that were sent in a whatsapp that we'll get to now so this one is asking about um maternity and paternity law says that dads get only five days according to what is currently allowed. This is not enough time to um, bond or allow moms to heal. I think I heard that there was going to be some amendment, but haven't heard anything. 
since and no timeline for when they anticipated it could take effect. So any information on um, when that might be happening? Well, we've had we've had a number of discussions um, on this issue. We've had presentations from um, groups that are really interested in promoting this. And I think, you know, that people are sympathetic, very sympathetic to those kinds of issues. And it, for, for right now, it's for us to make sure that we do the, the necessary work to do the, um, at least the initial consultations to get more guidance as to how we can, um, how we can do this effectively. I mean, you know, it's, it's a question of, you know, who's, who ends up paying, um, for this? Is it, is it the case that, uh, worker, um, sorry, employers are required to give workers the time off? Um, some of it paid and some of it unpaid, um, or is it all paid? Is it is it at a reduced rate? You know, these types of broad policy issues have to be discussed. And mm -hmm. I think um, based on the, the discussions that I'm aware of at this point, um, there is there is a level of of um, commitment to moving the discussion forward and, and figuring out how what policy position we want to take on it. But this would require amendments to the labor law, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. And I think there are other, there, there are broader um, discussions around aspects of amendments to the labor law that, that we think are important as well. Right. And as you know, we have um, a, a minimum wage committee, which mm -hmm. is, is, um, is working as well because we've had a minimum wage basically stuck at at um, $6 an hour for the last six or seven years. Um, I can tell you from my own personal knowledge that um, being part of the government that implemented that to begin with, it was never intended that it would be left at $6 an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was supposed to be re reviewed a year later. Um, right. So for whatever reason, that didn't occur. Um, that was very close to the end of, of our term at that point. Um, as you know, I, I sat out the, the next four years, the next term. So um, I don't know where, what the thinking was in relation to that, but the, these are these are a number of issues that we are working on now um, to be able to move forward. And I hope that we'll be in a position, I don't think it'll be dealt with, um, and I don't think we'll have the results of the, the um, for example, the minimum wage committee um, until probably the end of the year, which means we're going to be looking at dealing with with um, any amendments, probably the end of the first quarter of next year or something in, mm -hmm. in that area. Right. So, I mean, obviously you've mentioned that um, when you're looking at a particular law, you're trying to see what elements of it might require amendment and there has to be a consultation period, public consultation right. and so on. Um, so, you know, that's but one area <clears throat> to that uh, caller's or viewer's point that they believe should be addressed, but minimum wage is another area. Someone else was asking about, um, I just saw someone, um, years of service in the organization. <clears throat> I'm, I'm thinking that might be, um, I don't know if that's when you leave the organization, like the compensation, you know how it's, a, it's what is it? Um, one week for every year, I think is a severance pay. Yes, yeah, so I don't yeah. know if, if Dasya is speaking specifically to severance pay. But um, um, I don't know. I think yeah. she maybe she may be thinking about additional benefits, but normally benefits that are granted by law are going to be benefits that are available to everybody. Right. Uh, 
yeah. they'll be at the minimal level, but your employer could always do more. Exactly. So an employer could say, you know what, I have, um, or we have difficulties with employee retention, um, um, or these are really good people that we want to have on board. We want to retain them. So mm -hmm. they look for ways, they look for creative ways to keep their employees happy um, and, and engaged. And so they, they expand the level of benefits. And that may, in that case, they may do that um, on the basis of, you know, performance assessments. Um, so it's, you know, it's reflected on merit um, or they may do it by the length of tenure. You know, mm -hmm. you can take different approaches. But yeah, I mean, those are those are all possibilities. Very good. Miss Isabel Geiger's in the house. Good morning. morning <clears throat> Sorry, she says, she says, good morning, Sandy. I wish you were on 24-7. Oh, my gosh. Don't think the voice could hold up that long. Um, Dave says, what will the government do about rent being so crazy high? Well, um, obviously, this issue is connected with um, the whole issue of housing and the availability mm -hmm. of housing um, at a reasonable cost. And, you know, it is something that we are constantly um, working on and discussing. Um, I mean, just last night, I, I got home at about 10 o'clock, uh, a little bit after 10, actually, <clears throat> and got straight on the telephone. And I was on the phone until about 12.45 or 1 a.m. Um, talking to um, some of the realtors on issues like this, you know, how, what, asking for their their suggestions on how we can uh, um, address some of these issues. Um, and it was, a, it was an extremely productive discussion, but we obviously have a, a, a number of different facets that we have to look at here. So we're looking at finance um, and the, any issues around that, and, um, you know, putting in place provisions that help to um, protect um, the interests of, of persons who maybe, you know, for example, in the default situation, and obviously that is that's becoming more relevant for us now because of the the federal reserve increasing the um the rate in the in the us which you know has a direct um implication here for cayman based on the way the banks operate here um we also have um discussions um around you know supply um, making sure that the national housing development trust is on track and moving ahead and um you know making progress with being able to deliver housing um, as a part of the supply we also have some of the local developers that are planning um you know they have they have um subdivisions planned which is going to involve um you know things that are effectively affordable housing so we have a range of issues um i think for us in cayman we've got to figure out um, what the solution is that that and it's not going to necessarily be some grand um, um, announcement about a particular initiative that that resolves the problem because it's a multifaceted problem um, and we have to make a number of adjustments a number of changes to try to help and this is this isn't unique to us it's a challenge that is unfortunately happening around the world and it is a challenge which a lot of our young people um, both globally and certainly here in Cayman um, are, are, are dealing with. And I think part of the frustration for our people in Cayman is that, you know, they see a lot of the, the um, significant developments occurring in, mm -hmm. uh, in on West Bay Beach, for example, 
and none of those are available to them it's not in their price range mm -hmm. so you know these are you know th this raises the whole question that's always been around about who are we developing for right? mm -hmm. and we have to make sure that we have an answer for that you know there has to be um there has to be benefit there has to be um, developments that that provide opportunities for our people not mm -hmm. just somebody from china or somebody from canada or the us or the uk or wherever else um, mm -hmm. who want to come in and buy a multi-million dollar condo and occupy and live in it for a, you know a few weeks of the year and then the rest of the year it stays empty mm -hmm. that serve our natural our, our national interest um yeah at least not in that respect you know mm -hmm. all right so we do have some other questions that came in earlier. So this one says, uh, good morning, Sandy. Hope that all is well. If possible, can you please ask Mr. Panton, who's the vast majority in this? It's referring to the service. I'm going to, there's multiple people have sent the same question. So I'm just going to ask these. Uh, this person says, I can't find one person who's aware of this survey. And these things should, should at the very least be sent to registered voters. Since we're going to support uh, when elections come around, and we have a say at this time, should we not also have a say when it comes to such important decisions being made about our country? And um, the person went on to say, Sandy, I kid you not, I've contacted almost everyone I know and asked uh, just about everyone in my neighborhood and had friends do the same and we've all come up empty. No person so far was aware of this survey and this is simply unacceptable. For these things to be uh, to take place and there's no awareness of the general population, especially the registered voters. So that was one person. Another person said, oops, that's the wrong one. Hold on. Let me move that one out of the way. The other person said, uh, hey, Sandy. Oh, wait, I think I've loaded the same one twice. One second. So we had two from that person. One more. One more coming in. Mm -hmm. So this is a survey that had to do with... Um, Hold on, I think I reloaded those twice. But basically this, and I didn't see this myself, so I actually don't know where this was put, but let me tell you what this is in relation to. So the Compass had put something up about the um, your, your Ministry of Sustainability. And so another person says, ask the Premier if this survey was made public, because not even CMR seems to be aware of it. And many are saying that they weren't aware, interested to know who the vast majority of residents are. And then I'm going to tell you exactly what the survey yeah, I, is. So I don't little, know. A little bit of information the, I need is what survey it is. That yes. Yeah, exactly. Whoops. There we go. All right. So the vast majority came out. And so this is something from the compass. So this was some sort of survey that facilitate was facilitated by the Ministry of Sustainability and Climate Resiliency. Okay, I, know, I know what survey this is. Then. Yeah. So no one seems to have seen this survey. So. Do you know anything about um, how the survey was promoted and how many well, people participated? I mean, you know, I think you know that there are efforts always to advise people about about these things. Um, there, you know, a, a lot of social media um, efforts were employed that I know of. Um, I think they they posted it on our website. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you every single step that was taken to try to make sure that there was more mm -hmm. knowledge and participation, but mm -hmm. clearly, you know, it reached a lot of people because I can tell you that they, I was advised that they were expecting based on the normal sort of rule of thumb of these types of things, 
they were expecting somewhere around 350 um, responses. And we ended up with something close to 1,100, um, well, in excess of 1,000, let's say, between 1,000 and 1,100 responses, um, which, you know, I'm told that that is um, a, a significant level of response. Now, I don't know why it is that certain people may not have seen it. Um, I think we didn't, know, to be we honest, have, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. And we the have, problem for me is if I'm clueless, probably <laughs> a lot of people are. <laughs> well, I think I, maybe, maybe I'll make sure that um, in future, all these things are uh, given to you, but I, a lot of effort was made to, to try to ensure that as many people were aware of it as possible. This, this was a survey that was done in connection with the, um, the climate change risk assessment that was being, uh, you know, we've been carrying out. We've had public meetings. Um, we had a public meeting at the Georgetown Town Hall. Um, and you know, one one of the, I think one of the issues is that I personally would like to see more involvement of, of the various districts um, mm -hmm. presentations in, in in these districts on issues like this. Um, but there were there was a, a there was a meeting in, at South Sound Hall. Um, that I don't think was open to the public. That was key stakeholders and, and some of the participants. And then there was a big public meeting at the Georgetown Hall uh, where I I went and I spoke. And I think you will remember. Um, I remember you came on the show that same evening. Same night that I had a yeah. show with you. Same yeah. evening I had a show with you. So I right. went there, I stayed, I, I, I spoke for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I left and I came and got straight on yes. the show with you. And then after that, I went back. After the show finished, I went back. Um, yeah. We had lots of Caymanians there. I mean, a lot of people were aware of it. Um, we had a, a very good turnout. It was somewhere, I, I want to say it was probably close to about 100 people, um, mm -hmm. you know, for the town hall. That's that's a pretty significant turnout. So a lot of people, I think, were aware of it. Um, it may be that, you know, we all have our particular interests and some mm -hmm. people may not have been, you know, paid attention to 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 that mm. but well i think the challenge for us is to constantly try to figure out how we can you know um improve our level of engagement um, yeah but either way well, I've, I've gotten some um someone has sent me some information they said 1085 persons responded i mean that might be a lot compared to i suppose what normally respond but that's a drop in the bucket when you think about even how many um voters we have much less if we're looking at cayman residents right so the majority of respondents were between the ages of 35 to 54 years of age. Most were female. And um, the majority of respondents possess either a bachelor's or graduate degree and reported being employed full time. But again, I think it missed. I mean, I'm curious to know where this survey was actually shared, because if you're missing, you know, climate resiliency and climate change impacts everybody, not just the 35 yeah. to 54 year olds. Everybody exactly. has to care about this issue. And um, I just feel like a lot of times this happens with initiatives I see happening in government. Yeah. Like people just don't know about it. I, I was having a conversation with the deputy governor yesterday and I said to him, listen, we get um, stuff from Kim and Brack all the time at Kim and Brack events. We have a community calendar. We share it on there. We share it on social media because we know some people don't know the community calendars on the website. So if they miss that, we'll put it on our Facebook page. You know, social media has a wide reach. We'll talk about it in the show because some people listen to the show and they don't have social media. So you've got to do a sort of 360 comprehensive approach to getting the word out there. 
Um, and, you know, even with government job adverts, you know, sometimes they send me a job advert. Although I think I need to change my strategy, Premier, because I've been posting them up and they get tons of applicants. I'm like, hold on a second. If they sent this to the compass, they'd actually have to pay money to have it advertised. So I need to start thinking like a business person. <laughs> so caller, good morning hey, and welcome right, to the right program. Here. Good morning. How are you? Um, not bad. I think the problem is that it sounds great to say that each state government has a website and you post it on the relevant website. Mm -hmm. Sounds good in theory, except that from the perspective of the individual, that's overwhelming. You can't keep track of stuff that's all over the place with agencies that you don't even know how to, what they're named and when they change their name and all sorts of things. Mm. I think you need to have a portal. Now, you, you, I think government needs to have one place that, the, that information like this gets sent to. Even if they want to post it on an individual website, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But but you need to have a central place where people can go to where they say, I know that if government is telling the public something, it'll be on this website. Mm -hmm. That's that sim simple. Yeah. Because people having to go looking all over the place for agencies they don't even know exist. Mm -hmm. That's not practical. I mean, in and, theory, and, and, Denny, um, the gov.ky website should be that website because it then links to a lot I of agree. the, um, it links a lot of the other sites, right? Yeah. But again, right. people will find this um, at times probably a little bit confusing because there are so many government departments and agencies and ministries. And so, you know, sometimes it takes a minute to even be able to find something on any website, regardless of kind of where you're going to find it. Um, you know, there's quite a bit of, of information. I'm just having a quick look at the government website right, right. now. Well, but I, let me just add that I think, I think that, um, you know, clearly the um, communications uh, de uh, department in government are obviously aware of the challenges of being able to reach um, as many people as possible and they don't just post it on websites you know they proactively um, do so, lots of different social media posts they put it on on instagram um, they do facebook um, i'm not sure what other platforms they they use but at the end of the day they are pushing it out they're trying to be proactive trying to ensure that there is much um, participation as possible um, i do think that there may be some merit to having a specific sort of channel um, that you know people know if there is um, some interaction that the government is seeking that they, mm -hmm. they sort of can monitor or can go to and check from time to time. And I will I will raise that with the with the comms group. But I do think let me give one example. But but let me just say it's one of the challenges is we don't know how many people we have reached. We don't know who we have reached, but we, we can only measure who has responded. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the response has been much better than predicted. Um, but as you say, there may be people um, in particular areas that don't, don't, haven't seen it, not aware of it. Um, and I think we, you know, we, we have to constantly 
face the challenging of the challenge of doing a better job and trying to make sure that the people of the country um, are aware of these things as, as much as possible. Because at the end of the day, we it is important for us to be aware of their views. Yeah. Is there any way to, because yeah, a lot of what, people, what? I have someone else just mentioned that said survey, what survey? Is there any way to reopen this particular survey if more people want to participate? Because I think this is probably one of those that we could get way more than just a thousand people. Well, I mean, the report is due this this month. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this month. We're September 1st, right? The report is due this month. It's, it's due in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, on this particular issue, but there, you know, there can be many other issues that we, um, that we improve our engagement on. I don't, I don't know whether we can delay the report and, and, um, and run another survey to get greater feedback. I don't know if we're going to end up with greater feedback. We'd have to see. Um, but I think, yeah, if you end up with, um, two surveys, Mm. Then you've got to figure out how much is a duplication. Um, you know, it 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 gets confusing. I think. So I, I I will have a discussion, but I I can't. I can see the difficulties of trying to run a separate another survey. Um, this is not a yes and no type thing. You know, the whole range mm. of different questions, trying to gauge um, what people's understanding are of this issue. Um, you know, what their what their particular concerns are. How you know is it is it a significant issue for them? To be honest, when we're talking about an existential issue um, between us having a future in, in, in thirty to forty years time in, in the country for our children um, mm -hmm. and a legacy that we leave behind in which they can successfully um, prosper in the way we have, um, that that's a, a very significant thing. Um, so let me let me have a discussion um and see whether it's possible to do something like that but it may yeah. be that we'll just have to get much better um at ways of, of trying to get this this out and, and that this has been a challenge all along for years yeah. decades you know and i'll be i'll be honest with you um premier you know someone said to me oh, oh a press release was sent out on these dates and i know the communications arm our government loves a press release and I keep saying to people, even on this program, believe me when I tell you, people don't read. You send out a press release, number one, most of them are way too long. Um, they read the first paragraph and that's it. They check out. So send your press release, sure, because that's what you've been doing for 50 years and you think that's the end all and be all. But there has to be other mechanisms of reaching the people. Here's a perfect example. When um, the hazmat people launched the emergency what's it called? The emergency app, right? Where you'll get these emergency alerts, whatever. We invited them on the program, went through with people. This is how you sign up. This is what you do. And in real time, people were doing it. They were signing up. They were reporting, okay, I couldn't get past the stage. I was having this issue. And they saw the number of people who registered for that shoot up immediately. Same thing with the HSA. We kind of had to beg them to come on, come on and show people how to register for that portal. Oh no, just tell them to go to the website. I'm like, listen to me. People need the visual. They need to see how it's done. They need you there to answer any questions they may have. And, you know, it sounds like such a simple method, but anybody who's ever been a teacher, an instructor, whatever, knows that showing is much better. We could have literally sat here, said, here's a link for the survey. Let's all go fill it out in real time. I would have loved to fill it out. I didn't do it. 
you know, we could easily quadruple those numbers for you. So I hope that whoever is in charge of that survey considers maybe extending it even by a week. That's all we need. And I can guarantee you we can quadruple your numbers in a week. But I'll leave that for you. Danny, anything else on your mind before we continue with other Yeah, one, one example of um, consolidating information is the Gazette. Like if you go to the legislation website, you can't look back and see um, the gazettes. You have to go to a different website. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an example. So, you, like someone who might not be that familiar with it, might look for it and say, "Well, I don't, I don't see it here." And then, and and so you then have to know to go to another website to look for other gazette documents and. When it and and things that are in relation to legislation or the legislative process, I should say, should be on the legislation website. Mm-hmm. Um, Gazette wise, yeah. um, so that so that so that you can have access to all of the information as it pertains to legislation. Right, that's, but that's just an example of um, of what I'm saying about. And I understand that we're trying to transition from an old way of doing things to a new way of doing things. I understand that things take time and it takes money. And Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you have to work out what is the best way to do something. Mm -hmm. I understand those things. I'm just pointing it out is all I'm saying. Okay. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Mr. Um, Basil Hamity says third party services such as SurveyMonkey. I'm sure they had it. I don't think the delivery of the survey was really the issue. It's just trying to get out there. And so again, you know, you hit it from, from all angles, folks, Um, web placement, social um, emails and that emails, please take this survey, you know, any way that you can get it. So Nathina has a question about an anti-bullying law. She's asking, when is that going to be passed? Because she was told that it should be dealt with this month. Hmm. So we do have, um, we're moving forward with the, the changes to the education um, bill, um, sorry, education law or act by way of an amendment bill. Um, we have proposed regulations as well. So after some time, we are, I'm really happy to be able to say that we're moving forward, there's traction um, and it will go to parliament. Uh, we're going to be addressing this, this concern that everybody understands is really important i know that you you know you often um you often cover stories about fights in school for example mm-hmm. um you know the, these things are all involved um mm-hmm. with with issues around bullying and issues around um you know behavior that is is um antisocial and and, and not acceptable so and this is really obviously very relevant right now because we are at the point of you know going back to school for the new um, school year. Uh, mm-hmm. We have kids that are um, have some have started back already. Um, some are starting this this early this this week or maybe next week. Um, so it's really important, and I want to I want people I want our children to get the benefit of having this kind of protection, having these sorts of policies, which will help to eliminate um, or significantly reduce these types of issues because 
when they go to school, we want them to be safe. We want them to be in an environment where they can learn. Um, and we want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. and, you know, this is this is an issue that um, I think has sat around for a while. And, we, and I'm really happy, really, really happy to say that, you know, we're going to be able to move forward and address this. And um, I certainly thank the, the um, you know, the Ministry of, of Education um, for for getting this to the point that we're at. Um, and we're right on the cusp of getting this in place. Um, you know, the Deputy Speaker and um, Parliamentary Secretary for Education as well, um, uh, Ms. Kathy um, Ebanks-Wilkes was very much involved with that. Um, and the interesting aspect in relation to her is that she was an employee of the um, Law Reform Commission. So she actually worked with the Law Reform Commission in this area while the report was being done on this and the recommendations being made. So the report was presented um, to caucus and cabinet and accepted um, mm -hmm. and the drafting instructions were taken forward. So, so we're, 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 we're right on the cusp of getting this, this done. And I think it's really, really important. And the timing couldn't be better um, to make sure that we can get this in place to um, start to positively um, impact the experiences of our wonderful young people in schools um, um, for this, the, you know, this school year. So that, that's all fantastic. And I certainly want to encourage every child. I want to encourage parents um, to be very positive. I think the journey of education um, is not just about school. It, it is about um, parents being sure that they impart a level of positivity um, and, and, you know, strong influence over their, their children. Um, mm -hmm. clarity that you know that education is important and they need to to be committed to that and the child needs to be committed to it um, and I want to encourage all of them um, to to ensure you know whether they're family members parents or whether they're caregivers whoever it is whoever comes in contact with our children I want to encourage them um, to all be positive and contribute and and work hard let's have a great environment um, I mean it's, it's an exciting time um, particularly for, for the younger children, um, but it's also very exciting for those who are, um, who are older, who are, you know, changing years, perhaps um, looking at different sort of career paths for themselves, um, getting near the end of, of, of their, their high school experience. And it, it can be a little bit anxious as well for a lot of them, you know. So we want to be positive and encouraging, and we want the, the environment to be great. And the anti-bullying provisions, I think, are going to, um, and the policies around that are going to play a significant role in, in assisting us being able to, to make this a great, positive, wonderful, encouraging experience for our, for our children. So remember as well, we have, you know, we committed to making sure that, that our kids got the proper nutrition, um, we have high schools and primary schools where there we have free lunches, breakfast, snacks. Um, it reflects a significant commitment of the country and the government to ensure mm -hmm. that our children have the best possible um, potential to learn and, and, and grow and develop. So uh, just to say, you know, I'm encouraging, encouraging parents and encouraging everyone to take advantage of, of, of the 
the new opportunities that this new school year presents. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have a wonderful time. All right, um, caller, welcome to the program. Good morning, honey child. How are you today? Oh, honey child, I'm good. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored beyond all measures. As always. Good morning, Premier. Wonderful. Good morning, dear. Yes, it is. Premier, your food for thought. Um, regarding our school system, our neighbor countries um, that I have traveled, if a child does not meet a standard, um, does not pass their subjects or their year, they repeat them. A hearing came on, whether they pass or not, they're just pushing them through the system. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's not being taken seriously. They're out there doing drugs and committing crime to survive. Mm -hmm. Why can't our system start, because I've been asking for years, why can't we show more interest in our children by having them repeat if they do not pass to ensure that they're coming out with some sort of education. Mm -hmm. well, this, this I have other questions, but I've written them already. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, you make a, you make a very good point. Um, it does raise mm -hmm. some very significant issues. And it, it's a challenge and it's an issue that has been debated back and forth for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, we have had times in our history where we've done just that. Mm -hmm. you know, we've had people uh, repeat years. Um, and I think more recently, I guess, uh, I don't know what the time frame might be, but uh, probably maybe 10 years. Um, you know, we've had less of that. We've had, a, we have, we've had this concept of, of uh, progressing people through school. Um, if, if we're going to have that approach, then clearly what it does is it puts us under a much greater obligation to try to ensure that the child is maximizing its ability to, you know, the child's ability to learn and develop as a, you know, as a young person um, so that they become well-rounded, developed um, adults who are right. able to have, go on to have good careers and contribute to society and have wonderful families and all that mm -hmm. um so you know i this is a this is a discussion that you know i'm not the i'm not the expert on on education policy um but clearly this is an issue that that um, has been discussed and maybe it's time to you know to have another discussion about it i'll mm -hmm. i'll have a discussion with the um the education minister the honorable um Julianne O'Connor Conley and see what, what her thoughts are. Um, I haven't had any recent briefing on this particular point. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't have much that I can tell you in that context. Yes. About I, I think it needs to be, um, it should be evaluated. And I'll tell you what, recently I was uh, doing a school tour at one of the private schools and they were saying to me that they have um, Caymanian children that come into their school um, for the first time. I think they've had, I believe it's seven or eight kids that have been given, you know, scholarships at no cost to them or their parents to be able to attend the school. Some of the children went in there and when they were testing, because this school is based on the American system and they do the, um, the um, 
the IB program. Um, baccalaureate international. Yes, the baccalaureate. Yes, and they discovered that, uh, especially for math and the sciences, one young lady, for example, would have been struggling tremendously if they had put her in the grade equivalent that she was in in the government system. So she decided, with her parents and consulting with everyone, to go back a year. Uh, because again, it was going to give her an opportunity to kind of get caught up, to learn some things that she may have missed um, in chemistry and math and whatever, so that she could prepare herself for the eventual um, additional classes and examinations. So I think uh, that caller certainly brings up a really good point that if a child isn't ready, and I don't know, uh, this is a question about the government system that I, I don't personally know, but how are they even um, assessing a child's readiness to then move on to the next grade. So Jean says, I know someone who asked for their child to repeat a year and was told no. And the, the interesting thing is it shouldn't be for a parent to be making that assessment or to be asking that question. I mean, obviously a parent might see their children are struggling, but there should be some formal assessment process within the school system itself that identifies um, you know, students who are not ready, who've not passed a minimal uh, set of criteria to then move on to the next grade. Warren has a wonderful suggestion. He says, what about weekend classes? Um, you know, I can no longer identify and say that I'm a super young person, but I still think I'm, <laughs> I'm relatively young. I don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, but I remember um, Premier Panton, when I was in the seventh grade, I mean, this was eons ago now. Yes. When I, I was in the States, and I remember that they had an after-school program. They actually had a toll-free number that you could call and get help with homework assignment. These were sometimes retired teachers or professors who had extra time or whatever. And they actually had, you know, if you needed science, you would press this number. If you needed help with math, or you didn't understand how this equation was working and you just needed help with your homework, you could call the after, um, you know, school hotline. And there are people there answering the phone, helping you with your homework, helping you understand concepts and theories, maybe giving you additional, well, back then we weren't really using the internet, so they'd refer to you like, okay, maybe try to look at this section in your book and let's go through this and make sure that you're understanding the core principles. And I've always wondered, I mean, it seems relatively easy for something like that to be implemented. You could even utilize volunteers because there might be retired teachers and so on who are just looking for something to do, who might be happy to give of their time. But I've always wondered why we don't have more, um, even outside the classroom, more opportunities right. for children to have you know, further assistance if they need it. Yeah, and no, not the same I, I, I agree with that. We all need help. I totally agree. And, you know, if you look at our our um, education results, they are trending upwards. Um, so the, the results are improving. Uh, but I personally feel that they could be better. Um, and I think we should all aspire as a country to to have our, our children just generally, I mean, society generally, um, mm -hmm. be better informed, better educated, um, be able to take advantage of the jobs that exist. Um, because, you know, one of the issues we have had is, as you know, and this, this is a part of the sort of underlying factor in a number of the issues that we may have here. Um, as, as wonderful as Cayman is compared mm -hmm. to many, many other countries around the world, we, we all know we have our problems, and some of mm -hmm. the issues relate to the fact that um, we've grown an economy, we've grown a country which is much bigger than the Caymanians that we have necessarily mm -hmm. to fill all the roles. 
Mm -hmm. um, so we have a really high level or high number of um, guest workers, um, um, work permit holders, and many of these jobs. So, so our challenge is not creating jobs. Our challenge mm -hmm. is to make sure that our Caymanian people are educated um, and be able to take advantage of, of a lot of these opportunities that are out there to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, to, to move up and get, get improve the circumstances for their families, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And areas around, for example, um, English and math in particular, um, I think the English results have been fairly good and improving, but we actually have, I think, um, a lag in terms of, of math. And these are really in particular in, in the changing um, macroeconomic environment and the fact that, you know, we have technology being a more significant role in a lot of the things we do um, in our economy and in our country. Math is, a, is, a, is an important area that we need to be able to improve on. And we're not, you know, we're, we're lagging behind in, in, in math statistics as far as I'm aware. Um, and this is something that more recently, I think over the last two or three weeks, I've been having discussions with people about, you know, addressing the same things that you were just mentioning about being able to, to have mentoring, to have additional classes, have support being provided um, to our students so that, you know, we can sort of bridge some of the gaps and, and, and build on that um, as we continue to try to, to, to improve the level of, of, um, of learning in, in our schools. I mean, our teachers, uh, the cadre of teachers we have are, are wonderful and we certainly, we respect them. Um, we, we support them as, as much as we can. And I think that, you know, as I said, the, the general trend is an improvement, but I think there are areas that we have to make sure that we, we try to fill some of the gaps, bridge some of the gaps and, and, um, try to advance things. And I would like personally to see more of that happening in, in different communities. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, you know, there are there are NGOs that do a lot of um, a lot of work around a variety of needs in in our country, um, and in things like learning, we have a wonderful organization um, called Life, um, which is learning is for everyone. I think, um, and they I think they they've been doing a good job. I to be honest, I yesterday I was planning to. Um, I made a mental note to to contact some of the people who were involved with that to mm -hmm. see what we can do to encourage more activity um, across the spectrum in supporting our children and and helping to um you know improve some of the some of the grades, um, particularly in areas around English and and math because those are areas that are really important, not just for communication, not just for our ability to write CVs, um, but you know, math is, is a strong background um, uh, subject that helps us in a broad variety of areas, as I said, particularly in relation to our changing um, mm -hmm. economic environment. So I want to see this done. I want to, I want to try to, you know, do everything we can to, to help our children um, develop further and, and learn a lot more. Well, we have quite a few people who are weighing in on this one. Um, Lavana says that this is so true that she remembers when she went to school, and that wasn't yesterday, trust me, 
Um, and she graduated and there were still a lot of people who couldn't read and write. Um, Moya says, this is true in an FOI I did to education department a few years ago, showed that only 20% of the government school children leave year six at the required level to be successful in school. So that means that 80% of her children are struggling uh, and failing and they keep pushing them forward. Um, Judy says, I think we also need to be mindful that many children are not academically inclined. So having them repeat doesn't necessarily mean that they will learn. It's more of recognizing what each student is lacking and offering extra classes for them or teaching them a skill. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know what how academically um, inclined is being determined, but you should have the basics. Like you should know how to read yeah. and write and do the basic math. And that doesn't mean that you're gonna turn out to be um, an academia and you're gonna be a, a prof professor or a lawyer or a doctor, but you don't have to be academically um, inclined. Again, I'm, I'm not sure how that is really being defined um, to be able to just read and write. I mean, those are the basics. No matter if you're a mechanic, if you're a housekeeper, domestic worker, you should know how to read and write. So there's some basic standards. I think that we need to encourage everyone to reach and not uh, even the message that we send out to our children, like for them to think that that is somehow because you know how to read and write, that that somehow makes you academically brilliant isn't the case. I mean, listen, I've seen lawyers. I just saw a letter this week from one. And I was like, this person should go back to remedial school and learn how to construct a proper you lawyers, <laughs> Sorry? So are you picking up lawyers? <laughs> yes, this, this sent, I, every single sentence was a run-on sentence and five lines long and comma, comma, comma. I'm like, oh, the sentence structure, the clarity was in there. I mean, it was it was horrific. And, you know, they are a qualified lawyer and they've been practicing for many, many years and they're like 50, 60 years old. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, one thing I want to say, the expectations that we set for children are extremely important. If you tell your children day in and day, day in and day out, that, oh, you, you don't have to be academically inclined. They will interpret that to mean that they don't even have to try in school. Yeah. So, you know, we're not saying everyone is going to be brilliant. Everyone's going to be, you know, a scientist, whatever. But you've got to really push your children to do their best and to give their best every single day. Now, we do have an interesting bit of information that has come up. And I'm going to have a read of this because this is probably a much deeper conversation. But someone says that the research is clear that grade retention is not effective over time. It is related to many negative academic, social, and emotional outcomes for students, especially students of color who have been retained. There is also clear evidence that after intervention, such as targeted intensive tutoring, expanded learning time, and supporting strong relationships between adults and students have much better outcome for students. And yes, I think all of those things um, are important. And it's also important to know, again, what the criteria is that students are being judged by. So, um, Nathina, your bullying question has been answered. If you miss it, just kind of scroll back a little bit. Um, Dean, joining us from overseas, uh, says that uh, he's listening and just wanted you to know that he's joining, I believe he said earlier, from Jamaica. Um, Steb, so just the thought of repeating will make some kids work harder and thus making them better school leavers. Um, maybe, but I think there's a lot of support that needs to be there from um, the parental side and otherwise. Um, we do have, oh, Demi, I forgot about you. We have another caller coming in. So let me just grab this caller and then we'll end because I know the premier has given us um, a limited amount of time this morning. We do have another guest. So Denny, if you can make your, your comments or questions as succinct as possible. Denny? No? Caller? 
Hello. Okay. I don't know what happened there. Anybody on the line? <laughs> I showed two people. Oh, my apologies. Hold on. That's my mistake. There we go. Now you're in Bluetooth. Morning callers. <laughs> Hi, Danny. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, I just want to say one thing quickly before I make the statement I wanted to make. Okay. Um, I can hear you clearly. Mm-hmm. And but it sounds like there's a noise gate. Perhaps the premiere is not close enough to his mic, so parts of his words are getting chopped off. Okay, and we're yeah. we're gonna address that can, for next time as well. I think he needs a lapel yeah, mic okay. to resolve that. Yeah, yeah. And and then the point that I wanted to to make is that I think what would be most beneficial for um, improving. Um, education mm-hmm. is to have a sufficient amount of teachers aid in each classroom mm-hmm. to help the teacher bring along students who might be slower in grasping a concept mm-hmm. in real time instead of pushing them off to some additional program. Mm. So it they just sometimes people just need a little bit of extra help. Mm-hmm in the moment Mm -hmm. to get it and then they can just keep going and their self-esteem will be better yeah Yeah. absolutely and 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 and, and then what what that does is it prevents the gaps from taking place in the first place Mm -hmm. and And this is where i see that yeah early childhood um care is so critical. And I see that, you know, when you read the educational reports, a lot of our early childhood programs or I don't know if we really want to call them institutions, but, you know, daycare centers, whatever, they're not meeting the mark. And those first five years of a child's life are the most important, even in terms of a child's educational attainments later on in life. So um, knowing that we really need to, you know, brush up on some of these uh, so-called daycare centers that we're allowing to operate and the standards by which, um, you know, by which they're, they're allowing to keep their doors open. I mean, we just need better standards overall. I I agree with that. Um, And, and what I'd like to say is that um, when people think about public schools and private schools, um, people normally give private schools, uh, glowing remarks, but really and truly, um, what I'm what I'm describing there about being able to catch these issues in real time and address them before they become um, more serious <clears throat> problems mm-hmm. uh, is is really the difference. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, where our effort needs to be is in preventing children from falling behind. And I don't agree with the idea that that somehow children are not academically inclined. Mm-hmm. Any child can learn to read, mm-hmm. write, and do math. We just, we just need to make it happen. Absolutely. Yep. yep. And I, I agree with that comment. I mean, I, you yeah. know, there, some people will have more interest. Some people will have less interest mm-hmm. in these areas. But I do yep. fundamentally believe that, you know, there is a level um, of, of, of um, achievement that all children um, mm-hmm. are, are probably capable of. I, listen, I, I have a, 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 young, a young person who I worked with, um, who I helped go to a special 
needs school in the US. And that that young person, and, and I'm trying to be vague so that I don't um, divulge who it is, but um, that young person went through that school, um, improved, mm-hmm. um, but with with the guidance and with the support and with the you know the positive encouragement that that young person went on to a full-fledged recognized university mm-hmm. in the US and graduated with a with a, a finance degree um, with something like a GPA of around 3.7 3.8 mm-hmm. that is fantastic performance mm-hmm. when you start off in a situation where you've got you know some degree of learning disabilities so i i have i would encourage everybody to not to not feel that because somebody has some kind of uh, p- potential learning disability mm-hmm. that it's going to limit them in life there are exactly. ways to overcome this and we just have as a country as a community uh, as an education system we have to do, do whatever we can to try to overcome those and help our children achieve because as, as everybody has said and a lot of the comments very good comments by the way um you know it makes for for a better society more more confident um society um mm-hmm. and this is this is and and, and people who feel a, a greater sense of happiness a greater sense of accomplishment a greater sense of achievement and this is exactly what we want for our country this mm-hmm. is exactly what we want for our young people so for me it's you know, I'm, I'm committed to doing as much as we can to try to make this a reality. Absolutely. And let me just share, Danny, we do have another caller who's um, said they're waiting for you to wrap up, but let me just quickly um, share this point from, from the perspective of personal experience. Cause I think, you know, a lot of times people are listening and sometimes they are um, there's a stigma attached to having any sort of learning disability or there's a stigma attached to our own personal history is like nobody wants to say, oh, I was that kid. And I am more than happy to tell anybody in the world that I was that kid when I was in the Cayman Islands. So um, a, a eventually, you know, she was principal at a school, head of, I don't know, all her positions, um, politician, supposed to be a big, big time educator. This individual, and I'm not going to call her name, she's still very much alive and kicking, actually told my parents um, that I needed to be put in Lighthouse School because I was a slow learner. Now, make that sink in for a minute, because when I went to the U.S., nobody told me that I was a slow learner. They're like, here is where you're at. You're in the fourth grade. This is the criteria. This is what you need to do. By the time I reached high school, I was in AP classes, advanced um, placement classes, doing college level work in high school. I hate math with a passion, so I must admit, you know, it took a little bit, this is just a mental block, took a little bit of extra for me to do well in math, but I got up to algebra. I didn't want to do advanced placement math because I'm like, nope, this is not the field that I'm going in. I I have a different direction. Um, But, you know, even to get to algebra, when when I was going to trigonometry, I'm like, no, please don't make me do this. I really don't like math and I don't want to go to that level. So I picked up another you know, social sciences, languages, and other things that I was really good at. It doesn't mean that I wasn't academic, and I don't know to this day how that person came to the conclusion that I was special needs and needed to be put in a lighthouse school. But imagine the difference, the different outcome in my life had I stayed in the Cayman Islands and been sent to lighthouse school. We as parents and adults and sometimes so-called educators who are supposed to be the experts are limiting children. We put the limitations on them. 
And we put ideas in the heads of parents and even the children, right, that will hold them back. I have seen children in this community um, that have been labeled as special needs that only had a sight problem. There was nothing mentally wrong with them in any way, shape or form, but because of the limitations of the support around them, the family not understanding that this person could have been a lawyer, they could have been a doctor, you know, they would have just needed uh, different types of technology to help with the sight problem. They could have been anything in the world. Instead, they were relegated to Lighthouse School, yeah. nice, you know, nice young lady, you sit in the corner and you help with the other severely handicapped children. So we ourselves do our children a disservice by limiting them, by putting them in a box. And I have worked with a few special needs persons. I remember mm-hmm. once I took a young lady overseas and we were in the mall and you know had a conversation with someone. And after we walked away, I said, by the way, do you know that that young lady has something called Down syndrome? And I kind of explained very rudimentary what Down syndrome was. And this Caymanian child was shocked. She's like, she, she does? And I said, yeah. She had a more, uh, a fuller conversation with us as a person who actually had, you know, that type of learning disability, Down syndrome, than the young lady who only had a sight problem. And to me, when that sunk in, I'm like, oh, my God, Cayman is not prepared to deal with any child that does not fall out of that, that narrow range of what we consider normal. And that includes extremely brilliant kids. So if a child is really, really smart and advanced, uh, we hold them back. We do all sorts of things that negatively impact their progress. And so, you know, I think we definitely need somebody said to invite the education minister on the show. I think we need to be talking about this particular issue a lot more. There are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, may not have obtained a, uh, you know, a high school diploma, but these people are well-read, they're well-informed, they're intelligent individuals, and they could be anything in the world that they want to be. Denny, some final comments, and then we'll take one last caller, and then we're going to allow the premier to go because I know he's got some stuff scheduled. I, I think instead of coming to a premature conclusion that someone is not, a child is not academically inclined, mm-hmm. um, they should look at what you're, what you're essentially describing is more of specialization. Mm-hmm. So you, you say, well, I'm going to specialize in language because I, I don't like math, mm-hmm. right? I don't think you should just put this blanket thing out there to write someone off to say that you're not academic. That's destructive. Yeah. We shouldn't be using that kind of language. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. We got one more caller. I'm going to join in and I know we have a queue. So uh, the first caller, if you can go ahead with your comments or questions. Good morning, Sandy. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hear you loud and clear. Good morning, Mr. Premier. Good morning. Um, I just have uh, one quick query to ask, um, and I hope you have enough time left to give a full answer on it. So I know um, we would have all seen the headlines and the reports that came out earlier this year that said young people from Cayman are being priced out of buying homes and of buying land. Um, And it's a very, very serious concern that I have now. Um, you know, I, I did all the right things. I, I, I went to school. I went to high school. I went to uni. I got a job at a good firm and I, I bought my piece of land, but my heart breaks, you know, for, for my fellow countrymen and women who come to me every day and say, you know, I, ha- I have a good job. The bank won't give me a loan. 
when I finally do get a loan, the, the bank tells me that, you know, someone else has swooped in and gotten it and off, offered far more money. Um, and I just don't see our government doing anything to address that concern. And I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't blame PAC because I think this problem goes back, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. This, this should, should have been stopped a long, long time ago. Um, and I'm just trying to wrap my head around what PAC is going to do, if anything, to try and curb this. And I'll leave you with one um, story from just last month. Um, I work at a firm. Our firm has a real estate client. Uh, one person in that real estate firm sold a piece of land in Bodentown to a client for a large sum of money. The person who sold the land came in here three months before on a work permit, and he sold that land to someone who's never touched our soil. You know, there was a big party about all the money he made, and we, were, we, we all came down, and he'd been here three months. He sold a piece of our land to someone who's never set foot here. He made the sale on Zoom, right? And people were celebrating, and they were saying, oh, what a good job. And for someone like me, who has, you know, friends, fam family, people who are 60, people who are 30, saying, you know, they never got a chance, they were priced out. That's nothing to celebrate for us, right? Absolutely nothing. And I know, I, I don't know why we can't do something. I know I was talking to a lawyer from, I believe it was Bermuda, who said there, you know, expats have to live there 15 years. They have to apply for PR and then they can buy a piece of land. Now, I know that if that law can fly there, it can certainly fly here. Mm -hmm. We are both beneath the crown. So there, there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't seek to do something like that. Now, and I just want to know why. Why have we let this get so bad? That our, we, we talk about our kids in school. That's one thing. But they can grow up. They can get great jobs, and by the time they're 25, they will not be able to buy a single piece of land or a house. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I'll leave that with you, and I just want to know what you're doing, because I voted for people in the pack, because everyone said, Cayman first, we're going to work for the people of Cayman. We're going to try and improve the lives of our people here first. And I've yet to see any of that done. Mm -hmm. It's right. been well over a year. It's been well over a year. I've seen no bills. I've seen nothing that would fundamentally help us. And I just want to know why. Mm -hmm. All right, caller. We have one uh, additional caller. So let's go ahead and wrap up the callers. And then Premier will give you an opportunity to respond to that caller. Good morning and welcome to the program. Hello? Oh. Caller? Hello? No. All right. Let's grab the other one. Good morning, caller, and welcome to the program. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, Premier. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good morning. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. You're well. This is Nip. 
This is Nathina. I must say I agree with the caller just now in regards to um, our opportunities as Caymanians coming forward with purchasing land. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't call in regards to that. I call in regards to agreeing with you, Sandy, in in what you spoke about earlier, if you had went to Lighthouse School mm-hmm. and, you know, where you would have transitioned and become the person you would have become today. Because with my son, which I think the whole island should now be aware of, whose brain shut down last year in regards to being bullied at Bodentown Primary School. Mm-hmm. And when he started John Gray now here, just this week, they called me the day before to tell me, say, he's part of a nurture group that they're now having. And the education department seemed to have created this group, um, put my son into a group without advising me. And then when I went to meet with the school in regards to this nurture group, I saw the kids on top of the roof at John Gray High School and the new facility, and they send, they tell me about its space. And then the nurture group is about having the kids who have special needs, who suffers from seizures and um, other situations like what my son went through. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, why put the kids on the roof for introduction? Is that safe, not knowing the temperament of some of these kids? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Mr. Smith, who I met with, told me about it's safe. And it was approved by education department. So I think Mr. Pence, um, our premier, and um, Honorable Julia O'Connor, and getting needs to get the parents involved when they pre-made decisions for our children. Because the nurture group, according to my understanding, is it's supposed to just allow the kids. It's basically a free space just for them to be in there and they're learning just the basics. They don't mm-hmm. get the access high school they don't experience that high school experience because for them that's their way of protecting the kids from being bullied which is why i kept asking about the bullying law which you are freezing a lot over the the video was being frozen for me so i couldn't hear the whole conversation mm-hmm. what mr panton passed in regards to that but something needs to be done about the school because our kids are going through the system not learning and it's it's either we need to vote in a whole new set of people in the next election mm-hmm. or people need to step down. But nothing is happening and this nurture group needs to be looked into. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, and again, we, we welcome the education minister. We welcome the chief officers, anyone who wants to reach out and talk to the people of the Cayman Islands, you're more than welcome to come and explain, you know, sometimes you guys set up these programs. What sort of input did you get from the parents, the children? Why do you think this program is going to work? You know, explaining these things, I think, to the um, stakeholders, who in this case are the parents and the students, most importantly, is something that would be helpful. So we'll let the premier respond to that. And we do have one other question here that says, can you also add um, to the premier that properties that have been foreclosed on um, are not available to, for Caymanians to purchase and uh, they're being peddled off to real estate agents who are then willing to sell to outside investors. So again, this goes back to maybe something a bit different going on in the housing market. So any any considerations? Uh, is the government thinking about putting any limitations on purchasing property, who can purchase, um, any of that in your minds at this time? 
<clears throat> I think, Sandy, as I, as I said earlier, right, this is a multifaceted problem. Um, mm -hmm. And it is one which requires careful consideration and a careful approach. Um, we have taken a different route than many other um, countries in the Caribbean. We, uh, some other countries have limitations on you know, ownership of land. Um, historically, we have not done that. Mm -hmm. So it is you know, trying, to, trying to change that very quickly and making a significant about face is going to be a bit of a shock. It is going to possibly cause some problems. But that's not, to me, you, you, if you're trying to address um, the, the, the problem that Caymanians are having, to me, nothing is off the table, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be able to, con to consider a variety of, of issues. Now, we have, internally in government, we have a housing task force, um, which is a cross-ministry task force. So it's there, you know, we, have, we even have people in tourism involved. Um, so with the Ministry of Tourism, we have the, the, the various ministers, um, planning, um, myself, um, the tourism minister, um, we have the deputy premier. So we have a variety of people who are involved in this. Um, and we're, we're looking at across the spectrum at how we address these issues. Now, one of them is obviously facilitating the supply of housing right mm -hmm. um we have to understand fundamentally what is driving demand for housing because once you understand what is driving the demand then you might you might have some insight insight into how we address this right um we have to improve access to financing you know this these are um these are issues that that i think are becoming more relevant now because the you know, the interest rate environment has changed and it's going up. We have uh, significant cost of living issues. We have relatively high levels of um, of um, of inflation, and you know, none of this is helping our the 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 situation. We also have issues about access to rental housing. Some people, no matter how much we desire it, some people are just not going to be in a position. Um, for some time um, to be able to you know own their own property um, so we have to do we have to be concerned about the rental housing areas as well and, and there are lots of issues that that affect that you know there's lots of concern around Airbnb for example um, being utilized as an avenue for people to convert from long-term rentals into short-term rentals and um, in, in theory, if not in practice, um, obtain a higher return on, on their properties. Mm -hmm. So we've got to figure out how we improve. And, and then we've had this discussion on the show before about the issues around the quality of, of, of rental housing. So we've, we have a, a huge range of, of, um, of issues to be involved with. Um, the you know, Ministry of Lands is involved with, with, with this. As I said, I'm involved, uh, Deputy Premier, um, Minister for Tourism, um, and the, the, the Planning Minister. We're all involved with this because we recognize that it's a very significant issue, and we're gathering information 
working with different people, talking to different. So I mentioned to you or in the early part of the show that I, I spent about an hour and a half last night, late at night on the phone with, with a real estate agent, trying to understand, you know, some of the issues that from their perspective and, you know, listening to some of their proposed solutions. So this is something that I, I think we're going to be in a position to be able to move forward with, um, start to make some, take some steps to make some, some changes that will bring about some positive change. But I don't want to give the impression that we haven't been doing anything because we have, we have, we, many of us campaign on, um, people, Caymanians being able to get beyond just the, the current, um, or the, the, pre, the established sort of single home first purchase approach. Um, so we have been granting um, waivers for people who are, who are, for example, buying um, their second property, not complete waivers necessarily. We look at the situation, um, but th this is something that I believe needs to be set out in a proper framework with a proper policy, a clear policy so that, so that people are completely aware of it. But we have been, we have made a difference with a lot of people. We, we have people who have applied for, obtained abatements. Um, so it is, it is working, but we've got to get all the different facets and all the different factors uh, working together to make a difference. And um, it is, there is not going to be a silver bullet with it, right? It's not something that, that we can snap our fingers. And as I said to you, we have challenges all around the world with this sort of issue. Um, you may have seen there was a there was um, a video that was going around over the last I don't know probably year and a half, maybe two mm -hmm. years now, about people in Hawaii, for example, who are finding it very difficult to be able to afford to live in their own country, mm -hmm. their, own, their own state, I guess you could you would call that. Um, and so it's not just it's not just Cayman, but We've got to find the solutions for us that work for us. And that may mean changing um, some of the established norms. Mm -hmm. uh, that may mean that some people are, are not very happy about it. Um, obviously, we can't, we can't derail the economy. We can't um, completely you know, make changes that, that put at risk our economic um, prosperity and the success that we we have had because that means that we won't be able to address a lot of the other problems that we have. Trust me, as many as much of the problems that we have today, mm -hmm. if you compare some of our neighbors, um, they have the same problems, they have more problems, and they have financial, they have a lack of financial resources um, to, to address those. So we, we need to be the masters of our own destiny, we need to make sure that we're being able to deliver for our people for and particularly for our young people because mm -hmm. the the caller earlier the young man earlier who called clearly is very very passionate about that um his his um his anecdote the story that he put forward is is a compelling one it's one that's you know that's sad it's very concerning um and this is this is our country we're talking about these are our lands this is our country um, and we have got to be able to control the future and the prospects for our young people in this country mm -hmm. uh, it is it is a broad issue 
um, and we combine it with the existential risks of climate change and all this type of stuff. There are lots of challenges, um, but we're moving forward. And I'm confident that we're going to have um, more and more solutions to address the broad spectrum of issues. Um, things that are in Cayman are not in a bad place at all, but we've got to get better with it. We've got to move forward. And I am, and my, my colleagues in government, my government, we're all committed to the same thing, and that is making a difference in the, the quality of the life, our lives of our people. Um, that includes all these, these particular issues. It includes education. It includes making sure that we address the, 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 and improve the access to affordable homes for, for our young people. Um, so these are basic issues of, you know, education and shelter and protection and security and, and opportunity. And we are working hard to, to make sure that all these things come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with that. Um, but yes. And thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I was just uh, saying to someone that it's obvious that uh, premier access has now moved to the morning show. We're going to have to have you come on on the morning show because the questions are coming in fast and furious folks, but unfortunately the premier does have to go and we do have um, another guest who's been patiently waiting in the back room as well. Um, but just one quick thing, Renee's asking if there's a national housing in Cayman. There is, and we have invited them on the program. I tried chasing them up yesterday to pin down a date of when they can come in and talk about the actual um, you know, options that they have available. There is a national housing trust. They offer uh, low-income housing, and they've got a lot of projects going on. So again, we're pleading for Mr. Ramos to make time for the people of the Cayman Islands to come on the program and to be aware, be made aware of what programs you have and how they can apply and find out more about it. So all these government agencies and departments, they say they're working overtime, they're doing all sorts of stuff, but it's for naught if people don't even know about it, like honestly. Yeah. All right. Well, I, uh, really, I would encourage them to, to come on and participate. It's the National Housing Development Trust. Um, I will encourage them to come on and, and you know, schedule a show with you. Um, but I also think that, um, you know, it would be really good to, to have a have a discussion around education as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so encourage the minister. I've been messaging her for the past, whatever time she's been in this last time. She's welcome to come on. Jonathan is saying he can give us five more minutes. He's actually given, given us 37 minutes over the initial intent. So um, uh, Dr. Tahir has a question about doctors. We're going to just have the premier back on. Yeah. So have your questions ready for the next time that he's on the program. Uh, premier Panton, thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. And thank you very much. And as, as, as you know, Sandy, I am more than willing to, to uh, be engaged. Um, I'm happy to, to be in the morning show, happy to be in the evening show. Either way we do it. Um, I, am, I am good with that. Um, I think that I have demonstrated that I've, I am certainly no less and probably much more available than, than other premiers in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I am happy to have these conversations. I may not have the specific answer that everybody's looking for, but you know, the reality is if I have, if I have advanced notice of, of what it is mm-hmm. that, are, that people are concerned about and they want to talk about, I can get the, the relevant information. But I think it is important to have a lot of the other government departments and ministries who mm-hmm. are um, in charge of areas that are topical and relevant to be able to, to come on and discuss these, these issues as well. So I'm going to encourage that. 
So thank you all very much. I really appreciate um, being here with you. And I want everyone to have an amazing day. Um, as I said to you, Cayman is, you know, not unlike many countries in the world, we have our, we have our set of problems, but let me tell you, it is one still, despite our problems, it is still one of the best places in the world to live, um, to have your families, um, and to, to have your being in your business and everything else. So mm -hmm. thank you all very much. Have a wonderful day. God bless. Take care. And we'll talk again soon. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. So again, folks, that is Premier Panton. If you've been listening to the program this morning, uh, we'll have him back on again next month. We'll go ahead and firm up some dates uh, in terms of when he's available next month being this month, really, September. So in a couple of weeks time, we'll see if he is available again to come on the program. Let's take a quick commercial break, folks. We'll be back after these messages with Tiz from Recover coming right up. The population of the Cayman Islands is dynamic, diverse, and growing fast. Since the 2010 census, we have added more than 16,000 residents and almost 7,000 new households to our islands. This means that in census 2021, around 71,100 persons call the Cayman Islands home. More people than ever live in high-density apartments, which grew by 44%. Home ownership increased by 20%, and 54% of households are renting, with only 9% of households without internet connection at home. We are a diverse community with nationalities from more than 162 countries worldwide. 64% of our residents were born overseas, coming mainly from Jamaica, the Philippines, the United Kingdom, and the United States. 89% of households speak English at home. Of the 11% of persons who speak a language other than English at home, the most common ones are Spanish, Filipino, and Indian languages. With a literacy rate of 98.6%, the Cayman Islands' residents have skills and are resourceful, with 31% holding university degrees and professional designations, and another 22% completed vocational training and associate degrees. The 2021 census results show that job creation in the Cayman Islands is on the rise, increasing by more than 10,200 between 2010 and 2021. There are more than 44,400 active jobs across the Cayman Islands. Nevertheless, our community has some income inequality. The top 20% of households earn more than 45% of total income, while the bottom 20% earn less than 5%. We also have vulnerable communities that need additional support, and over 14% of unemployed citizens receive social welfare assistance. Some people in our community struggle with speaking and hearing, while others have difficulty with everyday tasks. Approximately 139 persons in every 1,000 have a disability. Among our young people, about 5% are not in school or work. More than 33% of households have children, while one-third of households are single-person living alone. The people of the Cayman Islands are religious with over 82% of the population affiliated with a religion. And crime is below 2.5% among persons 15 years and older. Find out more about the Cayman Islands Census 2021 report at www.eso.ky. All right, folks. So um, quite a bit of useful information um, there. And I see lots more of your comments. Um, Anthony Paul, who's actually from uh, Bermuda, is saying that Bermuda is actually a very, very expensive place to live. 
And a lot of young Bermudans are not able to own a piece of the rock. So it's interesting that we have a perception of what's happening there. But he is someone who's actually from there, has a different perception. Paul, I'm going to message you. Maybe we need to have some of our regional partners come on and tell us what is actually happening in their country. Because sounds like it might not be much different from what's happening here. And maybe we have a misconception about access to land in, in other jurisdictions and other countries. We're all about providing correct and accurate information on this program. So we will put that on the agenda. Paul, look out for a WhatsApp message from me. In the meantime, legal expert, Ms. Tiz, is here in the house from Recover, your personal attorneys. So uh, Tiz, sorry, good morning. How are you? Good, you? Good. So good to see you again. So Tiz is going to be joining us the first Thursday of every single month. And of course, she has been patiently, patiently waiting. I know a lot of you were like, oh, keep the premiere on longer. But we don't want to be rude to Tiz. She's been waiting since 9 <laughs> o'clock, folks, um, to tell us all about uh, the different types of personal injury that you can actually, um, the types of damages that you're entitled to in a personal injury claim. So um, Tiz, welcome back to the program. And do um, tell us a little bit now about what is it exactly that we're talking about. When we hear the word damages, what does that even mean? Right. So uh, generally, when people are involved in an accident, um, they think that automatically the insurance will fix their car and maybe pay for a medical bill if they visited a doctor. And that's about it. Um, however, and, and then they're scared to reach out to an attorney because, of course, uh, we're, we're known to send big legal bills. Um, but that's not the case anymore. And and definitely we offer free consultation. So before you sign any papers or uh, make any decisions about uh, your the future of your, your, your case or your injury, um, we would encourage that everybody reach out and call us for a free consultation. We're happy to help or have you in for um, a meeting and just uh, share our thoughts about the mm -hmm. process. Um, so besides the the car repair uh, people are are entitled to receive general damages general damages are compensation for your pain and suffering mm -hmm. so if you received a broken bone uh, in, in an accident then uh, there are the award of general damages covers you for the pain and suffering and your loss of amenity which is how this injury has affected your life and will continue to affect your life in the future. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the Cayman Islands, how we assess the value of general damages is, um, you know, the courts will look at the judicial guidelines, which, which stem from the UK, um, and, and also look at reported cases uh, similar to, to the injuries that you've sustained to kind of come up with an assessment of what the damages are. Mm -hmm. hmm. So that's okay. that's gen that's your pain and suffering. But then there's a whole bunch of other things that people also are not aware that they can claim in, in a personal injury uh, lawsuit. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are called special damages. And it's basically a big um, umbrella of different things, um, which I can go through uh, one by one if you'd like. Absolutely. Yes. Sure. So the biggest one is special damages are designed to put you back into the financial position you would have been in had the accident not happened. So the biggest one I can think of is a loss of earnings. Okay. So you're in an accident, 
you're not able to work, you're injured, um, the insurance company uh, should be able to cover those wages. Not only the wages that like if you're off work, but if you're not able to return to work or if you have to work in a different capacity at a lower rate, that is something uh, that would be covered under a loss of income claim. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing you're, you would be entitled to is, is treatment and rehabilitation and care costs. So, you know, if your doctor is advising you that you need treatment and you, you don't have the funds for it, this is, this is why the insurance is there and it, it should cover your treatment and also your future treatment if, if you need so, uh, if you need that into the future, which your doctor would tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to category. be clear, um, treatments, especially rehabilitation, can take a long time. So how does how do you figure out what you know? Because you might start off doing treatment, anticipating maybe ten sessions, and then end up needing double that or more. So how does how does that work in terms of compensation from an insurance company? And how do you figure out you know how how that's going to eventually play out for you? So we encourage our clients to go and see their doctors um, and report their symptoms. Uh So obviously if if the doctor recommends, you know, 12 sessions of physiotherapy or chiropractic care, and then uh, after those sessions, the the client's still not feeling good, um, then they have to reassess and either recommend physio, more physio or more rehab or you know, try a different route, or maybe you might need an MRI if things are not resolving and a further investigation to see what exactly is the injury and, and you know, if it can be uh, fixed or if it's something that, you know, after a year or two, uh, the pain is still there that becomes chronic. And then you're dealing with a chronic pain issue, which probably you would need a specialist to be uh, looking after your care as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't encourage that you rush out and settle your your injury claim right away because you don't know what the future is going to bring. And then if you do settle prematurely, that's your that's it. You don't have another chance to go back mm-hmm. to the insurance company and see if they could cover you for any other medical bills or uh, investigation because you've basically signed your off on your rights to pursue the claim any further. Mm-hmm. Good, good point. Okay, what other types of um, under the heading of special damages are there? Uh, so there's a category called gratuitous care, and that's um, for people who are not able to, to care for their dearly needs by themselves, mm-hmm. and they need, uh, let's say, there's a family member around that's been giving them care. That's you know have to uh, take a leave from their job to be. Uh, around the person who's injured to to help them bathe or to uh, make their meals. Um, That is something that the injured person is entitled to recover back from the insurance company. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also uh, other equipment. For example, you know, if you have a back injury and you're at a desk job, um, you need and you may need a special chair or special device uh, or, you know, a different screen or something that would help you do your job um, better, that would help you, you know, deal with your injuries while you're at work, those types mm-hmm. of things can be can be claimed as well in your claim. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also home modifications. So if someone's in a wheelchair and, you know, they live in a, in an, a tiny apartment and the door does, you know, is too narrow to fit a wheelchair, um, they would need some home modifications uh, done to their, to their residence. And the mm. cost of those can be recouped in, uh, in your claim. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, going down the list, uh, there's also uh, like a damage or loss to your property. So not only your vehicle, but, you know, let's say you're wearing eyeglasses mm-hmm. and uh, they cracked on, upon impact and you need to buy new ones. That's mm-hmm. something you can uh, put forward into your claim. Um, if your clothing, clothing got damaged uh, mm-hmm. or ripped or, you know, was had to be cut off of you in the hospital, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 the cost of replacing those items is also claimable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I have here is travel expenses, uh, which, you know, if, if you, for example, you need to be seen by a specialist that is not on island and you get a referral out to Florida or uh, Colorado or whatever state um, elsewhere, then the, the flight costs and your meals and everything that you've had to incur as a result of the accident to seek medical attention are also covered under your claim. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm just pulling this up on the screen a little bit. Hopefully it will help uh, people see this a bit more. So um, again, folks, if you're listening to the program, we have TIS from Recover, just going through the different types of damages that exist. So whenever you get in an accident, it's not as simple as, oh, just fix my car. Everything from travel expenses, loss of property, perhaps special um, types of equipment that you may need if you're physically injured, uh, gratuitous care, if you need help of a caregiver, rehabilitation. Uh, Donna has a comment. She says that I had whiplash over 25 years ago. The insurance company had a sign off when they settled and now is when the mess really trouble you. So again, you know, thinking about um, future uh, impacts from accidents that you may come into any sort of personal injury. Iron Lion says, what statutory limitations apply to claims generally? That is a great question. And in general, it's three years, uh, especially mm-hmm. for motor vehicles, it's three years. But then mm-hmm. when you get into other types of claims, for example, if you're injured at work and you're, you are you work at the port uh, or if it's a government entity, mm-hmm. the, the, that window of time could be reduced um, as little as three months. So mm-hmm. it's best that you consult with an attorney um, right away to just mm-hmm. know your rights because the worst, the, the worst thing uh, that could happen is, you know, you have a claim, but you, you didn't, you waited too long and you're, out of luck. Wow. Okay. Good to know. All right. So then we've got um, generally, you know, how do you go about receiving or when are you actually going to receive your compensation? Um, So that really depends on uh, who you're dealing with on the other side. So Mm -hmm. uh, just taking the example of a car accident, uh, we would hope that there would be insurance uh, that the other driver that caused the accident would have insurance. And in that case, it's pretty straightforward. We deal with tons of all the insurance companies on this island, and they're usually um, on board to getting you uh, getting you some treatment and then uh, eventually settling your case. 
mm -hmm. uh, without having to go to court. However, uh, not always is, is that the case. So there are, you know, more difficult cases where there's liability in dispute. Liability is who's at fault for the accident. So when there's issues of liability, insurance companies take a harder position and uh, sometimes we have to fight it out in court. So obviously that process would drag on uh, a little bit longer uh, than that. The other, uh, the other issues that could arise are if there's no insurance, mm -hmm. uh, then you're, you're dealing with uh, going after a company or an individual um, that, is, that, that is not covered. And, um, you know, we can proceed to get even a judgment against that person, but then it's a whole other problem to enforce the judgment against somebody especially if they don't have property here or if they don't have, you know, a good uh, job that you can go after their wages, for example, uh, that gets a little bit tricky as well. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then um, how much is my serious injury claim going to be worth? So again, that's, that's just a, uh, a very broad question that cannot be answered in a general sense because it really every case is different every mm -hmm. individual is different every injury is different every person recovers differently or at different rates some don't recover um, so we really work with uh, the individual client and we keep on assessing uh, the status of their injuries and their healing and then we come up with a plan um, as to when we think a good time is to uh, usually when they're you know more stable and mm -hmm. and the, the injuries are not getting better or worse is when we can try to figure out what would they need into the future and mm -hmm. then propose that to to the insurance company and see if we can come up with something that both parties are agreeable to mm -hmm. but right. in the interim mm -hmm. um like some people you know have an accident and you know, they have broken bones and they're not able to move around and that's, you know, they need the care right away. So uh, in those situations, we would approach um, the insurance company or the court uh, and apply for an interim payment so that we can get them a little bit of money to get them started on their rehabilitation journey uh, and then see how they progress. And maybe they need some more uh, down the road or maybe not. And that's another um, way that we can get them funds um, and it's called an interim payment. Mm -hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about recover because we do have Brenda saying that um, you know they need to change labor laws because a lot of people to coincide with uh, one has to go through to hire a lawyer because a lot of people can't afford a lawyer and ultimately a judge will decide how much you'll be compensated. So why is it important uh, to, to get an attorney um, and, you know, why are you guys the right ones to be calling, especially when it comes to personal injury? Okay. So, uh, you know, the, the average person out there uh, did not go to law school, does not know enough of the laws to understand what their rights are and what they could be entitled to. And so that's why we really urge people um, to, to call us uh, and find out more information. Um, so knowledge of the law is the first thing um 
The second thing is that we offer contingency fee arrangements. So that's something relatively new. And I think we're the only law firm on the island that offers that. And so, you know, if you if you hire us, you're not getting a bill every time you call us. Uh, we work on your behalf until we get you a settlement. And if we don't get you a settlement, then we don't get paid. So, I mean, that's a pretty good deal for people um, who want access to justice and can't afford it. So I think that's um, a really good step in, in, in the direction for the government to implement that law because it, it opens the doors for people to get um, legal advice without, with, and not have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, lawyers are known to have very strong negotiation skills. So uh, that's another reason why you would want to have someone fighting uh, for you on your behalf against uh, insurance companies who also hire lawyers and have a wealth of resources to spend on experts and, um, you know, people to help defend them or, you know, not have to pay you what what you deserve. So Mm -hmm. you should have the equal opportunity to do so. And we offer personalized legal advice, right? So you come in to us, you explain your situation, and you get the like tailored advice to your case. You know, you might need more evidence. You might need to, you know, you, need, you might need to collect witnesses, things that you never think that you would need. But this is all about, like, if you're going to court, it's about proof. What can you prove about your injury and how it happened and what your damages are? And that's how you recover. So uh, why reach out to us is because we, we do offer that free consultation to give you a chance to to speak to a lawyer for free. And um, and then we offer uh, a no win, no no fee uh, on on a no fin, no win, no fee basis. So you Mm -hmm. come to us and you get uh, representation without having to to get a bill every every so often. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no downside. Um, You should call us Anytime you or your family member or your friend is injured and somebody else is at fault, um, you should call us before you sign a legal document just to get you know, a second opinion as to is this fair, is this right? Um, when the insurance company is saying it's your fault and, mm-hmm. and it isn't, you should, you should call us and, and get that second opinion. Or if the insurance is flat out refusing to pay you anything and you're feeling overwhelmed and you can't deal with it because this is just another stress um, on, on your daily life, then you know you should know that we are here mm-hmm. and we're, we're willing to help. All right. And Donna has a question. She wants to know, you know, what's the fee? Is it based on a percentage of what you get? Is it like an hourly rate? How does that part of it work? So the fee is a percentage. So, uh, you know, the more that we can recover for you, the better it is for us. So we're motivated that way. And um, if you'd like to know what we charge, I'd urge you to call us and come in for a consultation and we'll walk you through everything. Okay, Ms. Brenda says it's good to hear their firm is now providing these services. So one of a kind folks, recover personal injury attorneys. They can be reached at 929-9999 
or seven four nine ninety nine ninety nine, and you can certainly visit their website, which is recover.ky. So Tiz is going to be joining us every single month, the first Thursday of the month, to kind of bring you guys up to speed. You'll learn a little bit more uh, information from her about you know what personal injury is, how this process works. Today we review the different types of uh, damages. Because again, you know, I hadn't thought of a lot of these different headings, and this is why you want to hire someone who is indeed an expert uh, in the law, because they will know exactly what sort of questions to be asking um, of your insurance company or the other party, and uh, you know, asking the right questions to get you the most uh, recoverable money for your injuries, your personal injuries, your property injuries, and so on. Uh, so this is absolutely fantastic. So any final? thoughts um tiz before we let you go this morning um i just would again encourage people to you know this is relatively new on on island and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know about us so if you know of anybody who you know is in a bad spot and had something happen to them it doesn't have to be a car accident you know we we also have some clients who, you know, had a medical emergency and their insurance company says, we're not covering you. And, you know, they get a bill of $50,000 for a surge, an emergency surgery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are the types of people that we like to help because um, they, they obviously, they get a letter from the insurance company, we're not covering you. And they're, you know, in a shock. Uh, they don't know how they're going to ever be able to, you know, cover that bill. They're scared of collection agencies coming after them. And it could be a case of just the insurance company made an improper denial. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we're happy to to consult with you on, on those types of things as well. Mm. Very good. All right, folks. So again, Recover, they're the ones to go to. Tiz, we thank you so much for joining us again, and we will see you next month on Thursday, uh, the first Thursday of the month. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Recover Personal Injury Attorneys, helping injured people get what they deserve. Did you know that insurance companies have lawyers that represent their interests? Before signing and accepting any settlement, know your rights. Call us today for a free consultation at 924-9999. That's 924-9999. Recover. Your personal injury attorneys are on standby to assist. All right, folks, we're going to leave you now with just our daily news update. Uh, thank you, Kevin, for always keeping us informed. We've got local news, regional, international news, and of course, our weather updates. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. The Ministry of Home Affairs has expressed regret at the passing of Her Majesty's Cayman Islands Prison Service, Officer Cashwain McKenzie, who died on Sunday after he crashed his motorbike at the end of a race. The Ministry, in a release, said Mr. McKenzie was a jovial and pleasant member of the prison service team and garnered equal respect from his fellow officers and inmates he interacted with daily. Director of Prisons Mr. Daniel Greaves said the loss of an intelligent young officer has been difficult for his team. 
Deputy Governor the Honorable Franz Manderson also offered his condolences on behalf of the civil service. The UK Hydrographic Office has completed a seabed mapping survey for the Cayman Islands, uncovering information about the depth and nature of the seabed and its ecosystems. The data from the survey has been officially presented to and shared with the Cayman Islands government. Under the Ministry of District Administration and Lands, the Department of Lands and Survey will serve as custodians for the data. Additionally, the UK Hydrographic Office has also installed four tide gates which remotely monitor sea level change. The Ministry of Health and Wellness has named Dr. Nick Gent as incoming Chief Medical Officer after an open recruitment process. The Ministry said Dr. Gent is a highly reputable physician who holds over 20 years of public health experience, including his most recent post as Senior Medical Advisor Consultant in Public Health with the UK Health Security Agency. He has also worked as Director of Public Health in several district public health services. He has served as an executive member for multiple health service authorities within the UK National Health Service with responsibility for public health, health protection, and commissioning a wide range of healthcare services. In addition to his work as senior public health official, Dr. Gent has worked with global bodies such as the European Union, World Health Organization, the World Bank, where he advised on legislation concerning public health, human rights, health regulations, and other matters. The first Hawksbill turtle nest of the season has been confirmed in Little Cayman by Department of Environment's turtle team. Hawksbills are critically endangered and the nesting populations in the Cayman Islands are extremely low in numbers. Often only one or two nests are found per year and there are many years with no nests recorded at all. Hawksbill turtle nest looks similar to loggerhead turtle nest so it can be difficult to confirm identification without seeing a hatchling. Police continue to look for Luisto Eusebio Hernandez in relation to firearm offenses. He is considered armed and dangerous and should not be approached. If seen, call 911 immediately. The search is still on for two missing men. 53-year-old Noel Paul Manning has been missing since June 24th and 26-year-old Adrian Williamson has been missing since July 6th. Now you are asked to contact your nearest police station if you see them. Now for a storm-ready Cayman update, it's brought to you by Home Gas. The National Hurricane Center is closely monitoring three tropical systems in the tropical Atlantic. One is several hundred miles east of the Lesser Antilles. In case you have challenges with your geography, that's where the U.S. and British Virgin Islands, Anguilla, St. Martin, Montserrat, and a few other islands are located. The system has a high chance of turning into a depression or named tropical storm. The other one is located off the coast of Africa. That system has a medium chance of turning into a depression or named tropical storm. And the third system is out in the middle of nowhere really. It's what we call a fish storm. The closest land reference would be the Azores, which is about 850 miles away. Now, if all three systems strengthen to tropical storm status, the next three names on the list are Danielle, Earl, and Fiona. We are now entering the time of year that the tropics tend to get a lot busier, so be storm ready, Cayman. And special thank you to Home Gas for making these updates possible. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters. Sunrise at 610, lots of clouds will be around. The temperature rises to the high 80s, but it will feel hotter than that. When the high temperatures at 88 degrees Fahrenheit and the relative humidity is at 72%, like the forecast calls for, the temperature will feel around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Winds east at 10 to 15 miles per hour, then the sun sets at 640. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the low 80s. Looking forward, 
Friday and Saturday. The chance of a shower does increase again. Remember, it's summertime, so hot days, warm nights with scattered showers are typical for this time of year. CMR weather updates are brought to you by WG Charters. They offer private boat trips for a great price, so we encourage you to support them. Now for some regional and international news. The Solomon Islands has suspended visits by the U.S. and other foreign military vessels, American officials said Tuesday, raising concerns in Washington that the Pacific nation is turning away from engagement with the United States in favor of working with China. The Solomon Islands gave notice of the decision after a U.S. Coast Guard ship and a British Royal Naval ship failed to get timely approvals last week to make routine stops in a port. The Solomon Islands government formally notified the United States on Monday that it had placed a moratorium on all foreign military ships visiting, pending a review of its protocols and procedures. NASA will try again Saturday to launch its new moon rocket on a test flight after engine trouble halted the first countdown this week. Managers said they are changing fuel procedures to deal with the issue. A bad sensor also could be to blame for Monday's scrapped launch. The 322-foot rocket, the most powerful ever built by NASA, remains on its pad at Kennedy Space Center with an empty crew capsule on top. The Space Launch System rocket will attempt to send the capsule around the moon and back. No one will be aboard, just three test dummies. If successful, it will be the first capsule to fly to the moon since NASA's Apollo program 50 years ago. The Belize government acknowledging that it was caught by surprise at the decision of nurses countrywide to stage industrial action on Monday said outstanding monies owed to healthcare workers could be paid by Friday. The Health and Wellness Minister Kevin Bernard told reporters via Zoom his ministry had met with the Nurses Association of Belize and subsequently wrote to the Ministry of Finance regarding the payment. He told reporters that the nationwide protest caught him by surprise in light of the prior meetings with the association and that he had an agreement that had been reached in relation to an adjustment made to the calculation of overtime hours for shift workers and the return of monies deducted from nurses' salaries during the last pay period as a result of a short hour deduction policy. Jamaica's tourism minister Edmund Bartlett says the island's tourism recovery is ahead of schedule and only slightly behind 2019 levels. Bartlett noted that the industry is recovering faster than expected. Bartlett said based on the outturns for the year to date, Jamaica is trending 90% against 2019. Originally, it was projected that Jamaica would recover to 2019 levels by 2023 or 2024. The World Travel Awards Caribbean and North America 2022 was held in Jamaica. Caribbean and America's top tourism industry professionals and decision makers attended the red carpet.